All right, uh, we're rolling, rolling. Do you want to do a show? Uh, yeah, let's do a show. Oh, did you fall asleep? Huh? Oh, <clears throat> what'd you think? That was kind of like my vaudevillian uh, three-camera sitcom <clears throat> hijinks. Uh, oh, I like the word hijinks. Shenanigans, right. hijinks, capers. Only in uh, there's there's certain types of comedy where you can get away with like instant sleeping and sure yeah well, I I mean I can do it but but that works in like I no can I mean do that on to television my, oh like, there's yeah. only certain types of programs where like instant sleeping actually works as a funny joke to people right yeah I mean you can use, I mean that's probably can be in some sitcoms but I mean when you're talking to someone in conversation it's always funny when they start to tell you a story huh? you're like uh, sorry I fell asleep again I dozed off you're so boring. <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I'm Brian Irwin. And I'm John Huck. That's great news. It is is great news. We're getting close to the end of 2016 here, ladies and gentlemen. We are. Are we getting close to the end of this song? You know what? This this song, I was just talking to uh, to a past guest, Eddie Pence, and I were doing some... We'll call it uh, Hollywood-related material upstairs. <laughs> what we call it that, just so it feel, oh, makes me feel good vague, inside. Some vague, that's like a good, nice, vague Facebook post. Makes me oh, feel good inside. Have a meeting today, it. everybody, oh, and an audition. Sad. It's so sad, right? Click like. Um, that uh, this show is, uh, if, if uh, thank God we have a guest today, because it's getting to the point where it's almost devolving. If it's just you and I, we can't really call it Hollywood. And we should just call it Hollywood Unavailable, because we, uh, <laughs> you and I are becoming less and less involved. On a weekly basis, that it shouldn't even. Uh, right? Oh, well, no, you, I'm just you, saying, you mean with Hollywood? We're becoming less, yes. less involved with Hollywood. So yeah, it's like yeah, the ebbs okay. and flows. Like, like it, it, we're, we're not even anonymous. Is still kind of makes sense, but then at the same time, it's like if you're not doing anything for an extended period of time, are you even involved? Anymore? Hollywood dormant. <laughs> Hollywood hibernation. <laughs> Well, the thing is, I always have to explain it to the guests that when I ask people to be on the show, like even our guest today, I was like, oh, the show's called Hollywood Anonymous. And then I feel like there's always a little bit of an awkward pause, like, okay, this guy thinks nobody knows who I am. And I'm like, no, 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 the show's called that because me and Brian together with 30 plus years combined in show business, uh, no one knows who we are. Yeah, I just did that. We had a uh, um, a kid's party uh, for the football team at our house and... um, it, it's funny that I, you know, because I coach the kids' team, and you can coach those kids all year long and know nothing about their parents. Oh, yeah. Right? And it's not until the party. When they where, show you know, up. Yeah. And then you start talking to them, and you find out who does what, and, you know, yeah. are they in the business, are they not in the business, what they do for a living, and all that kind of stuff. And so there were a couple people there that work in the business, like... Oh, they asked me what I do, and I said, "Well, one of the things that I have a, do a podcast here, at Hollywood Anonymous." And then, and I go, "You should do it." And they get that look, and they're like, "You're talking about?" Yeah. And then I explain it to them, like, "Oh yeah, absolutely, we'll totally do the show, whatever, blah blah blah." But it's funny how you do have we have to when we yeah. explain, but we're not a. F- we're not making fun of you, the guest. And we're not offending. I'm not trying yeah. to offend you here. No, no, no. This isn't about you we being anonymous. All, I didn't realize when we created this name that we would always have to justify the name I to st- the guest. I still like the I still like the name because it is about the name is about me and you. We host the show, so yeah. All right, exactly. Okay, okay. Got it. Uh, 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 what was like? I had one thing from. Uh, I thought I had something. Uh, oh, uh, the finale of Westworld, but. But we can get into that later. Did you know it was based on a movie back in the 70s? Dude, I, that's what I want to talk about because wa- we just rented the movie and watched it. Okay. Yule Brenner. Dude, okay, yeah. Oh. But let's. we should bring in our guest well, because- can I just at least real quick just say I have a beard? And um, <clears throat> Brian um, has a beard. Did you want to mention- Not it? my wife. <laughs> not, right? that's, that's, it's that's not a- Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but I think I'm almost done with it. With the beard. Yeah, here's a couple things, dude, because you're 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 a lifelong beard supporter. And I um <laughs> a couple things. I can't eat peanut butter anymore. It disgusts me when it gets on my mustache. Well, uh, you're not eating it right. Well some look. Sometimes the food that you're eating, and, and our guest has facial hair too, so we should probably just bring him in at this point. Go ahead and bring him in because I want to talk yeah. about facial hair for a second. Uh, okay, great. Guys, our guest today is a filmmaker, cinematographer. You always do with question marks. I love it when per- you're talking. Well, about I'm it. just saying, like, is this is, uh, if, I'm, if I'm not adding enough titles to your name, it's not like he's DDS. He's not a dentist. <laughs> well, we don't know. Ask well, him. You I, know what? I don't know. Matt DDS. Renoir, everybody. Hello, Matt man. Renoir. It should be on. Yeah. yeah and you're then, good to go. There you that's go. Good. Sorry, I didn't turn it on. I apologize. No, that's okay. I'm getting lazy these days with my uh, my setups. Uh, how Not are you, like Matt? when I was in radio, but the uh, okay, boom, there that's, it is. That's number one. Brian mentioned his work in radio, which so is... did John get your all your uh, credits right? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. The things that you have done. Yeah, also yeah. a dentist. So. Also oh, okay. a dentist. I told you. Yeah. You okay. don't know. Yeah, um, so cleaning. back to the facial hair thing. So um, how long have you been committed to your look? Uh, I think about eight. Nine years. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So you've you've lived with it, and that that is classified. People call it a goatee, which it turns out is incorrect. They are considered Van Dykes. Is that what your look oh, is? That's, yes. Now, now there's a certain like you you pull this off nicely, right? There is a certain like you're a of how tall are you? Six feet. Six feet tall. You're fairly thin. You have a, you have a yeah. thin build. The name of this show is Description. <laughs> this episode. But is... my point is, when when guys who look like you, short hair, glasses, when they have the Van Dyke, the goatee, whatever we're calling it, it for some reason I'm like, okay, yeah. But when a guy who looks like me has just the goatee, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> so I, what would you say if you if you Van Dyked it? Because I had what a goatee. Would, what would the, what would the classification of of type of person they would assume that you would be? What would you think the people's assumption of what kind of guy you are if you had the Van Dyke? If I had the Van Dyke, yeah, and I wasn't on a motorcycle, yeah, like I don't know, I don't okay, know. So that's it. They, I feel like I feel like you're that's a Hell's like, Angels. No, guy. but not even Hell's Angel. Not even not even like a cool tough guy. Like, uh, would you be would, would a skull cap go with your look? You, you know what? Maybe maybe it would be like the guy who's trying to maintain some sort of like uh, youth. You know, and he feels like that might hide his double chin, and it really doesn't. You don't have a double chin. Hey, buddy, I have a beard. You haven't seen my chins. Right, I have that. no chin, and then uh, I have a chin oh, under okay. it. It's weird. Did you grow the beard to get rid of to grow a chin? Uh, I grew the beard because I was in. I tried to start growing my beard in high school, and that did not pan out so well. But I had a little bit of facial hair. You were and Johnny Patch. I was Johnny Patch, and then uh, I then in college I grew just. I had like a, basically a chin strap. Um, Those are ones that are hilarious. The guy that, that your first you you you, get, you go out and buy your my first beard package, and it only grows underneath where it's oh, supposed yeah. to grow, which yeah. is pretty hilarious. Yeah, but I loved the Grateful Dead, and I was on Dead Tour, and I went to see a bunch so of that, fish shows. It, it fit in. It just it fit in, and, and not a lot of back when I and first you used had to give my a lot beard. Of Abraham Lincoln speeches, right back. I then? used to give a lot. I used to do a lot of birthday parties as Abe Lincoln. Uh, I would do the speeches for the kids. <laughs> did not last long. So when did when did you go full beard and how long have you been committed to full beard? Well, I had full beard through college. Uh, it kind of the mustache finally grew in, and then uh, I was committed to that until I shaved right before graduation. And then why? I, I don't know to look okay. cleaner, but I looked so fat it was disgusting. Uh, and then I grew it back right after that, and then I had it until about two thousand seven when I booked a which we talked about. Yeah, that, yeah. I booked a, a Capital so, One commercial. So you're pretty much. You just prefer your look as a beard man. Dude, I think everybody does. Okay, fair enough. My mom was even like, hey, you're growing that back, right? And I was like, okay. So if I Van Dyke it, I just look like an asshole salesman. So I can't do that. Like, I know for a fact 
That's just what I look like a guy. They're like, oh, please don't come over here and talk to me about electronics. Don't don't <laughs> try to sell me some shit. You know, I just I have that look. Mustache. Everybody thinks I'm a cop. Yeah, I can see that too. Also, mustache. Do people do mustaches just? Anymore? Yeah, but if you had a mustache, I wouldn't think you were a cop. And if you had a mustache, Matt, I wouldn't think you were a cop. For some reason, the style of mustache that I'm capable of growing, you, I can see it. I look I, like, yeah, it like a cop. A no, I no, it's not. Well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's what it. Yeah, yeah. It's I guess. very prominent, and it takes it goes from corner to corner. You know, what I, I mean, I think, like, yeah, right, and right. I think it also has to do with just your face. Like my face looks like a guy's going to tell on you. So it's he just has cop that, face. Yeah, you yeah. don't have cop face. I'm judging you. Yeah, you don't have. You definitely don't have cop. Face. I can't do it. Maybe mall security and a non-threat on top of it. Yeah, that no, you know what? Maybe maybe like studio security, like a guy like wandering around going, hey, do you have a pass? I could, yeah, I could see you on no one of those segways. <laughs> no, you're trying, oh, to, you're trying oh, to force, you're yeah. trying to force the law, the, the mall law with a segue. I could see that. Dude, but. maybe we could reboot Paul Blart. So mo- motorcycle, <laughs> motorcycle mustache, segway mustache, asshole mustache. Yeah. Tattletale mustache. So that's pretty much it. Sure. Maybe bike. Yeah. I yeah. could be on a bicycle with my like mustache. A, like a regular bicycle. <laughs> like a 10-speed. 10-speed <laughs> mustache? 10-speed. What kind of mustache anyway, can you grow? 10-speed? 10-speed mustache. But I can't grow a beard. So this That's why you yeah, do that. So you, are you patchy? Oh, yeah. Okay. I had, like, before I came over, I had like a month of just crap. But see, so. I classify that as the artistic cool guy beard. I, I grow the very, like, oh, he's clearly hairy all over his body beard. Yeah. You have the like, yeah, he's probably got the good chest hair. It's like a V. It's in all, in all the right spots. But you could connect your beard to your chest I hair. I could connect you? my whole body to my whole body. Like, <laughs> no, I, there, that's all the hair. There was no stopping I have it. Scotch, Irish, Italian, curly, thick, oh, angry. Might as well be part sheep. Yeah, I can weave everything from like my air, ear hair down to oh, like God. My, my, the, the knuckles on my uh, on my toe hair. So it's just disgu- I'm disgusting. Tonight on Dry Heave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I, I want to get, I'm pretty close to getting rid of mine because I don't like food yeah. touching it at all it bothers me so I'm done I do this to entertain my children and to get a, a few occasional like oh wow I didn't, I didn't recognize you I'm like you don't recognize me with that off so just, <laughs> it doesn't really matter I've been irrelevant par to, for the course I've been irrelevant to you with or without the beard so oh Brian you, know. you have a face I didn't recognize you <laughs> oh Brian <laughs> oh Mike Oh my. Mark, I didn't even recognize oh, you. Oh, Chad. Ah, that's good. Anyway, Matt, welcome to the show. Matt, thank, thank, you, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, Matt and I worked together on a Melissa McQueen, uh, Pat Kilbane project where I played a villain, super villain, and Melissa McQueen was a superhero. She was, what was? She's McQueen of the Divas. Yeah. It's kind of based on Shazam from okay. the 70s. Okay. Uh, yeah. So she's got her sort of like conclave of inspirational women actors comedians people that she does impressions of jennifer love uh, jennifer Lo- uh, jesus christ jennifer <laughs> aniston uh sarah silverman, sarah silverman mariah carey uh, jennifer yeah yeah aniston, um and a couple Zellweger. others yeah yeah but you were the prop comic yeah i was the evil prop comic yeah. that she had to take care of and congratulations and still we shot that two years ago and uh still not edited still oh, not that's up. good so no one can see that anywhere. <laughs> anyway, the point is that's how I met Matt. I think, right? We, yeah. And yeah. we never did a com- we never worked on a commercial or anything together. I don't think so. No. Uh, you just looked more familiar than just that one night. But I guess we were together for uh, uh, mall security cop. Yeah, maybe, maybe I thought I saw you at the mall. Hey, knock it off over there. Hey, kids, what are you doing? You can't ride your motorcycle in here, sir. Get away from the fountain. Stay away from the younger women. Get me a hot dog on a stick. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, cool. I love so, those outfits. By so the you, way. Uh, what mall? Cop- the hot dog on a stick outfits. Oh, you love them? Well, here's the thing. 
Did you guys? So did you ever have a job where you had to wear a uniform? No. 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 First of all, can I just ask, have you ever had a regular job? No. Wait, what is, what, okay, let's go. Let's just start with that. I mean, let's just skip the whole hot dog on the stick because it's just like the whole hot dog on the stick thing is we've all seen it. I don't know if that's a national chain or not. It's definitely out uh, here. I, yeah, it's yeah. more out west, I but think. But the bottom line is it's a, it's a red, yellow, and blue striped, very 1970s mall outfit with, a, with the same type of puffy hat that you have to wear. So it's kind of one of those like, I want a job, but I also... I'm now on the verge of being humiliated on a daily basis. Oh yeah, it's it's this. cruel what they do. I, yeah. I don't understand the uniform thing in 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 the well, restaurant. A hat. a hat, maybe. I mean, I guess the polo. I guess if you're like a Burger King employee, I don't know. It's just I've never appreciated uh, that kind of uniform mentality. Like I didn't like when we had to wear gym uniforms. I didn't like. I don't. I just never liked it. I never liked being told what to wear. Yeah, it's just gross to me. Now, Matt, back to why you have never had a normal job. What the hell, dude? Where are you from? <laughs> I'm, from, from, I'm from a pile of money. <laughs> You're from where? Pile of money, right over there. It's didn't you see? Um, yeah, I was born in Oakland. Oakland. Okay. I grew up in Central California. Okay. Really. really and they don't have jobs up there for young children. No. Okay. So um, you grew up in Oakland, and why no, did you I grew not up work? In Central California. In Central California. Yeah. I'm sorry. Whereabouts exactly? Very tiny, tiny. Town called Stevenson. No, near. my wife is from Visalia. That's why oh, okay. I asked. Yeah, north of Visalia. I don't even know where that is. So my, I don't even know where my wife is. My wife from. is from Susanville. Susanville. Yeah, John and I just found people that just. <laughs> so you must be from you must be from in between there. If you're north of Visalia, you're probably not up to Susanville. Where's Susanville? Like Sacramento? <clears throat> like uh, no, after Sacramento. Oh, yeah. okay. <clears throat> but the good yeah. thing is, is that's John and I. We would have nothing if we couldn't find people that had low standards. So yeah, yeah. Susanville and apparently Visalia have low standards for men and marrying mar- uh, what what they're worth in, right, in, right. in weight of gold, which works out so, well for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we both have benefited greatly. <laughs> yeah. From uh, no North, North Central uh, California. Thank you, <laughs> Northern and Central California, for everything you've given us, um, including Matt now. Um, so, all right, so you grew up in that area, and what was life like there in in this little... As a kid, two parents, married, divorced? Yeah, two parents, have an older brother, younger sister, grew up on basically a sort of defunct farm, like 40 acres. And so you weren't a farm family? My dad wanted to be a farmer. Okay, and? Life, and he sort of was... I mean, he, What'd you guys grow other than marijuana? Uh, <laughs> he didn't actually. We only had like we did. We raised pigs and oh, okay. uh, had chickens, and then had some horses. And did you have to cow. kill any of the animals? To eat I them? did not have to kill anything. Did you guys kill animals to eat them? Only the pigs. You did. Yeah. Who did that? Uh, it was so long ago. I don't think. I think it was some some. A hired guy. Oh, yeah. well, oh, it wasn't you guys. No, I didn't. No. So your family didn't do it. No. Oh, uh, no. I didn't know. I mean, you're yeah, saying. No, no, I thought you were going to say, and that's when my dad decided he no longer wanted to be a yeah. farmer. No, I yeah. like, the animals. Like, I also not into it. the killing because you know I <laughs> I liked calling the susu I like suey. I like or eating whatever, bacon. But, I don't right. like slicing pigs' throats. Yeah. I All mean, right. They ended up in the fridge, but. Well, <laughs> oh, you didn't do it. <laughs> How did Maggie end up in the fridge? Maggie's dinner. The all right. So you did that, and what what. Your parents, your dad wanted to be a farmer. Your mom, uh, you guys were just hanging out on this farm. Yeah. Uh, but you didn't do any farming. I did not, no. Okay, what regular, did you do? Regular school? Regular, uh, very small elementary school in the town, and then the next town over was the middle school and high school. And uh, yeah, it's just about 300 people in the town. Oh, uh, okay. No side. So very small no. school all the way through high school? Uh, pretty small, yeah. Two different schools, two different towns. Okay, so but the schools all the way through were kind of, you, well, they weren't big schools, but you're saying all the way through high school. Not at all, yeah. 
And and um and, and what kind of stuff did you did you did you were you fascinated with the quote unquote Hollywood lifestyle, the Hollywood world, the filmmaking world? Like what was or yeah. not necessarily back then? Like what was your thing? Did you have any interest in any of the things you do now back then or that was it's not definitely part of that? movies. I mean, just watching movies was like a huge now activity. Yeah. Was your grandfather and your father they were also in the business? So my great grandfather was a director. Oh, okay. His son, my grandfather, started work in the film industry. Down here? In France. In France? This is like pre-World War II. Okay. And then uh, ended up, they both immigrated to the U.S., to okay. California. And uh, my grandfather continued making films. Sorry, great-grandfather continued making films. Whereabouts? When they moved here? So he moved to Hollywood. To Hollywood, to okay. And, and this up. is about when? This is post-World War this II or pre? This is uh, right around, I think it's like, yeah, during World War. So the, the late 30s, early 40s? Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Okay. And so he'd been making, so my great-grandfather had been making films in France and then ended up coming to... Was he making narratives or was he making, like back then there was like two different types of filmmaking, right? There was filmmaking that you're making for the country itself and right. then there was actual narratives which was more uh, just traditional filmmaking. Yeah. What was he doing? Initially it was, it was narratives and he did end up doing some sort of I wouldn't say propaganda, but it seems propaganda. like a, yeah, almost like <laughs> yeah. almost like a this tourist your, video. Yeah, like why you yeah. should be here. Yeah. This is your great grandfather. Your grandfather's great grandfather. Now, John, I want to stop the show for a second because John, you should be impressed with the fact that I even was even to throw that out there. Thank you. So anyway, back to what your dad. Back, this show's back on now. I just want to wait. Was throw what out there? What? Come on, the fact that I even was able to ask a question like which type of filmmaking oh, was he doing back in very France? very skilled. Yes, no, I very. I did film studies. I remember none of it, but all of a sudden <laughs> when you started talking, I thought there was a chance. Because yeah, of the way yeah. things was what was going sure. on back then, that was actually a commerce. You yeah, could actually and, and make money doing a lot of that for yeah. a lot of the countries over there. And you're still you're talking like yeah, they made movies in the 40s and stuff in Hollywood. There was well, a lot of and a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say a lot of directors here in America actually also did the same thing for oh, yeah. America. Yeah. They also directed and most a lot immigrated of that stuff. from Europe. Yeah, yeah. You know, to- all right, so your great grandfather is making films, right. and and at that point he was also getting your grandfather involved in it as well. He kind of developed a love for it as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and then just with the war happening and coming, so my grandfather came over to the U.S. Mm-hmm. and then his father said, "Well, as sort of a thank you for being, you know, taken in by the U.S., you should join the military here." And go back <laughs> and fight. So he ended up doing that. And wow! Going back. And fighting and in fighting World War, World War II. Yeah. yeah, and he actually ended up it, it, in, it, the in the French South Army, Pacific, in the American Army. American Army. Yeah. So they could do that that quickly. Apparently, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I, I know that sounds like a stupid question, but it just seems like. But I think the U.S. military has always been like, "Yeah, you want to fight for? Come on oh, over!" Yeah. Like, he, did, he barely spoke English. I don't think he did speak English actually. And well, I'm sure they probably yeah. specialized him at that point. I'm guessing they. Said, where, and you said, he, "Oh, no, actually, no, he went to the South Pacific." He went. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He was in like artillery. Like it was. Wow. Some. Stuff. Now, he didn't end up at, uh, in, uh, shooting uh, South Pacific, the Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, uh, musical, did he? <laughs> no, just because that would be ironic because you're actually sitting right below <laughs> that album. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's it. So he went. So he went and fought. Your great grandfather was still how? How? Okay, so I'm I'm trying to get a general idea. Like how old yeah. was your grandfather and your great grandfather? Obviously, your your grandfather at that time would have been in his either late teens or early twenties if yeah, he's going to fight 20s. in the war. Yeah. And your great grandfather back then would have been. How, was he an older father or was he a younger father? Was he still like thirty, forty, fifty? Like where was he at in his life? So he was born in um, was it eighteen. 
1894. 1894. Yeah, okay. Late 40s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so that's a different. Um, that's a different 40. Do you know what I mean? 40. Oh, yeah. 40. Then you were. You're an adult. <laughs> Forty now, I'm still laughing at farts oh, he'd and been, like. Yeah, he was in World War One <clears throat> and he was wounded. Yeah, you know, and they have a diff- enlisted later in like his late thirties, I think, or just yeah. a different yeah. came from a different slice <laughs> of bread. Those people man. would make fun of us relentlessly if we were oh, like, my God. Yeah. well, we joke about it all the time. Like right now, we live in a generation where people are like, are, where, where where their politics are, they're so upset. They're like, I am unfriending you. Like that's yeah, yeah. Their, yeah. their 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 tragedies fall with an unfriending on Facebook. Like that's <laughs> that's their experience, yeah, and that's a big decision. It's too. a big yeah. decision. <laughs> And they have to make a big announcement about oh, they how they're let going people to do know. it. Too. They can't just click the button. Yeah, they got to let everybody yeah, know. They got to grandstand it, dude, right, dude? How are people going to know what your deal is? Um, all right, so so your family is is getting in, interested in the film business. So obviously, your your grandfather comes back from the war. Right. He stays in in the film business. No, no. So he, he got out. He got out. He told me that the technology was changing such that Which is he, hilarious. He's saying this back. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, no, but you think about it. It's always about innovation. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. Sure. The next and if he went away, he went away knowing one kind right, of set of right. rules, and he came back, and there were a whole new set of rules. Exactly. So he was back in California and didn't really know what he was going to do. He ended up doing, like, construction, essentially, and was kind of fed up with it. And then he went back to school on the GI Bill. And ended up getting his doctorate in English, like comparative literature, and then became a professor. Oh, wow. And so he ended up being a professor of comparative literature at UC Berkeley. Oh, okay. Hence oh, moving cool. north. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, grandfather stayed, great grandfather stayed down here? Yeah. For the yeah. rest of his life? Yep. Okay. Beverly Hills passed away in 1979. Okay. Yeah. So then, so my grandfather ended up teaching at UC Berkeley, had married, had kids there. Didn't teach French. Said we're in the states. We're you know. that was a different time. Like yeah, that, it was. Yeah. A, it, that was. That's my. You know, obviously, my grandparents. Same thing. They felt, and it's kind of sad when you think about it. But they felt shameful. Like you're in America. Yeah, yeah. You need. You need to just get rid of it. Make sure that you adapt 100 percent completely, and it'll be better for you. And I understand that. Right. And I also understand wanting to hold on to your culture as well. So I understand both sides of it. I think there's a it's, happy medium somewhere. But there's, but there's there's so it's so ironic, too, because <clears> now you know people are so upset that someone's not speaking English. You know, And you'd think that um, at the time you're saying, like, oh, I'd be ashamed that, that we're not acclimated, that we're not you know, full American. Right. So we're gonna, right. We're just speaking English. We're just, you know, it's sort of. Well, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a personally, not politically, but personally, it's easier if there's one national language. It just makes it well, easier. Also, to I'm lazy, and if we can all well, speak what I speak, yeah. I would be much happier. <laughs> I, yeah. see, I, yes, there, there. I, I do weigh heavily in the lazy category Fuck as well, yeah. but at the same time, it is just easier to have one. I'm, I'm still to this day because of where we live i'm mad that i haven't taken the time to learn spanish because i just think it'll make my life oh absolutely. and more enriched it would make your kid's life more enriched it would make yeah. look it, the your more languages more, you know yeah. <laughs> like, i would have a better thing. beard yeah the the more languages you know obviously the you know just anything it just helps you kind of like yeah yeah this man- is a different maneuver. experience yeah absolutely so i don't get angry I, I think about it either way i just you know i just think it's easier if, if everybody and i and i actually believe that Going back to the English as a second language, big issue that we have here. Um, I'm sure most of those people would also agree that their lives would be a lot easier if they spoke 
English. They're not. They're not against it. Right, right. They're not trying to take it away from us. I right. think everybody's kind of on the same page. It's just there's a lot of. I think there's also a lot of lazy people on both sides. Like, ah, oh, isn't it just easier? Well, everybody. To- I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I don't. When you, <laughs> when you travel to Europe, and even when you travel to Mexico, and 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 places like that, or even like French Canadian, like. Everyone else speaks their language plus English. Well, yeah, it's different. It, it, and and we, we are the only country that's like, hey, learn to speak what we speak. <laughs> well, yeah. And people are like, shut the fuck up. We like, don't really push it in our in our um, education system to, no. to learn other languages, encourage people to learn. Culture, it's, it's a culture thing. And we don't really push learning and desiring to learn too much about other cultures and acclimating about other cultures. We really just push everything American-based and that's it. But Which then again, if you think about... Yeah, but our culture is America is the best place on earth. So it makes... In the big picture, it makes sense when you pull back and you look at why it's the way it is. But also, if we learned about other... I'm not saying we can't still teach that America is the best place on earth, but I if agree. we learn about other cultures, then you have at least a little bit of understanding how everyone else does things. You have some empathy for some people. You have some... You know what I mean? There's, there's just... You're just... The more educated you are the better off you're going to be. Therein lies the danger, sure. John. Now, see, this is the problem with, that's when politi- politics does get involved, because obviously I'm going through this right now. Politics does actually have everything to do with the education system, which it shouldn't. I really think right. politics should stay out of education and should be separate from, but that's why the pendulum swings so far. I mean, you, you see what's going on in our country right now. There, we don't live in the gray. We don't live in the middle. We live on one side or the other, and therein lies the problem. Why you don't get those opportunities because people are fighting against each other on both sides on what they believe is the right way instead of just kind of coming together in the middle and going, let's just do a little bit of all this and have a well-rounded education and just have an education in general and we'll be fine, but nobody wants to talk about that. But um, Also, really quickly, yeah, interesting to point out, um, both of your uh, relatives you're talking about were uh, immigrants. Correct. As were my great-great-grandparents. Yeah. As are everybody's who's not Native American. Yeah, but again, <laughs> to go down that path and use that as this whole, bringing it back to today's argument, you're also talking to a group of people who barely even know who Michael Jordan is. So we live Michael in a, we Jordan live in a, was the actor who played Creed in the new Rocky movie. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. Um, the, he can be whoever he wants. That's right. But my point to that is that we live in the now, and yeah. we don't really want right. to reference the past anymore. Which is, like doesn't, what is the whole saying, man, if you don't, learn your history you're doomed to repeat it it's crazy how yeah. that just keeps happening i know and that was the bill murray movie right groundhog day yeah. Uh, yeah anyway sorry so, so anyway no but oh, anyway no, no, so that was it, so discussion. so they removed they they, they kind of wanted a hot they wanted to remove the whole french part of the family is that what kind of we're saying it's okay that they're from there but let's not in a, yeah, I think in a sense too, just because of you know what had happened in france and mm-hmm. german occupation and sure. getting this Again, different time, different point US, of view. You know, it's like I've been told too that that the French the, the French would see us as like Uncle America, like like the sort of benevolent kind of rich relative that is there for you. Like, okay, it's sort of a funny, you know, like Uncle Sam kind of thing. Right, yeah. right, right. So yeah, I think it was more that way to sort of not pay back, but you know, in a sense, like kind of be appreciative of this. This sort of safe haven of another country, and so if 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 um, Grandpa was teaching in Berkeley, how did your family kind of just become a little bit f- for, more removed from that area and out a little more central? It's my dad. He just 
He didn't want to be a part he, of that whole San Francisco Oakland no, he just, specific thing. He wanted to have a farm, like he that was his thing. Mule. So he didn't <laughs> no, get that was yeah. it, and he just he wanted. And obviously, for those who are not that familiar with most of California, oh, is, yeah. a, is farming exactly agriculture, the whole yeah. Central Valley. Yes, unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know what the what the statistic is, but it's like it feeds the whole yeah. country. Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Ridiculous. So your dad had no, there was no desire to be involved in the entertainment industry. He didn't step foot in it. Not just, at all. No, but it no. sounds like it doesn't sound like he was being encouraged by your grandfather right. I either. Think that was this, the big thing. Yeah, your grandfather was doing other things, and he's like, "Don't. Right. This is the business I tried, and it sucks." So. Do something better. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too was just that idea of like you're in the shadow of your father, and yeah. so the what's funny my voice thing is that my great grandfather, the filmmaker, his father was the artist, the painter, so he was trying to step out of his wait, Ren- Renoir. Yeah, like the the painter, the real famous yeah. painter. Yeah, your so your great grandfather's father, father. Yeah, is the was the Pierre Auguste French impressionist. Yeah. Renoir. Right. Okay. So this explains a little bit as to why you've never had a real job. <laughs> well, this explains, and this also explains the power of Jesus shadows. Christ, man. The power of shadows. Yeah. Yeah. So that art, does so that? Maybe, you know, it's sort of. Well, so let me ask you this, though. Okay. So. So he got into filmmaking to get out of the shadow of the artist. Right. And then the yeah, grandfather then. got into uh, being a professor to get out of the shadow of the filmmaker. And your dad's like, fuck all you. I'm going to get a farm. Basically, what's, yeah. but what's what's interesting about that though is um, that even though they wanted to acclimate to America, I mean the ties you guys obviously have, right? Because of of your great way, we great great two grand, greats, yeah. two greats, great great grandfather. You can't completely. I mean, you have you have to. That's pride, right? That's also family pride, yeah. Which yeah. also ties you into. So it's 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 kind of like both, right? In a, in an interesting way, like you, okay, we're going to acclimate into America, and we're going to kind of just we're going to shelve, you know, most a, a lot of the the French in us to become more American. But at the same time, we've yeah. got this pretty amazing lineage, right? It's it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. Wow. And so, how did that work within the family dynamic and in, and in, in you're growing up? Like how how much of that was a big part of the thread of 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 your family storyline, or was it not? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like as as kids, like we'd be around. Like as far as like. The work or or the knowledge of of the artist and the director and so we'd be around the material but it was it was weird it wasn't like we ever sat down and you know told explicitly like okay here's here's their life story here's what they've done here's what you know works they've created it was just sort of around like we always had prints or books or whatever just that you know, different houses. Meanwhile, you're getting like F's on your finger painting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, uh, who's your great, great grandfather again? And, I'm great, not buying and, it. and great grandfather, um, it, his work is it, what, what kind of work? It, it, like movie wise, like, films. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he made quite a few fil- over his lifetime, like 40 some films. And he started off with short films in the silent era, actually. And his wife was an actress. And so he was trying to actually just sort of jumpstart her career and started <laughs> hilarious producing. like it's, it's always yeah. about women it's always, dude. About women. always <laughs> about women so he essentially got into producing to make her a star and then she just decided she didn't want a family necessarily she wanted a career okay and she left after having one child my grandfather uh, oh okay and so um but my great grand my great grandfather kept making films okay so he made a few in france and um one in particular that was really controversial and 
um, pretty much uh, was just about to ruin his career <laughs> called Rules of the Game, and that because when it came out, it wasn't it wasn't the escapism, it wasn't the fantasy, it wasn't like oh we're going to the cinema to you know be taken away. It was a reflection of the French society at that time in the 30s. And everyone saw it as like a mirror. And, <laughs> and no one likes looking into a mirror no. when yeah. they first wake up. Especially it's like, yeah. People. yeah. So, so there are stories of like at screenings, the audience tried to burn down the theater and wow. you know, tear out seats and basically just try to destroy it. So um, it's now appreciated. You know, of course. Of right? course. Yeah. It's always yeah. like everything so. that critics hated it. Oh, yeah. That's probably because it was good. Right, right. Give it 30 years. Was that part of the reason why he left? Do you think? Uh, like he didn't feel appreciated for what he was doing, or had that had nothing, or you don't know? No, I think it, it was just more the situation in France. Okay. Think, honestly. Okay. And, um, and he made actually another film called Grand Illusion, and that um, became, it was, it was a hit and everything, but at the time it was still controversial, and Hitler actually ordered all those prints to be destroyed, and it was thought to be lost for years until somebody found like in a closet in Paris no shit like an original negative print of the film and that's why it exists today so it's pretty wow crazy that you think well if he'd stayed there he actually probably would have become like the Lenny Reifenstahl like he probably would have become Hitler's like filmmaker which is that's crazy ridiculous that's totally crazy because you'd have to not because he was like, oh man, Hitler's got some good movies for, oh, right, for good yeah, ideas right. for movies. It's like he's like, you do this or you die. Like, oh, uh, that's the way to what you want to make films, <laughs> right? That kind of pressure. And so when he came to America, um, because obviously, you know, what he was doing over in France. Well, look, if Hitler wants to burn all the copies of your movie, you've made a probably a pretty fucking good movie. Would be well, my that, guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you hit some chords. But, right, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but it's, but you know, uh, American filmmaking and and what the American film market wants is so different from the European film market, right? So when yeah. he comes over here, that that still couldn't have been he, unless he stayed true to the art form or whatever. Like, what was the ideology once you come over here, though? Like, as far as as far as you know. Oh well, I mean, it's funny too because, like in France, it's the whole auteur kind of like situation where mm-hmm. the directors is the king like their directors calling all the shots and the producers are just kind of like you know happy to be there <laughs> yeah we're Can here it's coffee? all about the producers and so he found that out i think pretty quickly and um but he was able to make a few films here i think like four maybe four or five but um also along the way he was able to finance a lot of the films by selling paintings and so it was sort of like this bittersweet situation where oh, of his own of his of his like his father's work. Oh wow. So he had inherited or had just a bunch of paintings and so at certain points to make the budgets he would he sell could sell paintings. a Renoir for yeah, exactly. a million whatever and just make it happen. And so, then make the movie with that money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was interesting situation but um that's crazy. Yeah. Was did do you think he f- ever kind of felt bad for selling the painting absolutely oh he did yeah. so it was not an easy decision no, no not at all still though i think that's i mean he didn't sell all of them right no no, no. and those are still in the family there it's funny because a lot i mean a lot were sold obviously because i mean it was his job and in his the painter's life he he did all right you know it's not like a van gogh or somebody who just 
dies and then wow it's that, like then, everything's yeah, yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> everything's valuable right he was making a living and so a lot of people there were certain pe- collectors along the way like in his life that were buying stuff up like while sure. he was living and then there were just private people that were having portraits done and then he painted a lot of his family so that wow. stuff stayed you know in the family and so things just get dispersed people sell things you know yeah things go around and so and he just painted all the time oh yeah yeah, yeah. there's there's so many works and so um so there there are still a bunch of the family and they're just kind of all over the place so. so let me ask you this is it going back to you know learning about the lineage of your family and stuff like that yeah. now you have a great grandfather and a grandfather that um if you go to college, um, you can take courses and you're probably learning about both of them in their own separate categories, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's, it, it's, is that inspiring, intimidating? Is it cool? As a kid, like, where, where's your head at when, you're, when, you re, when you realize this, that these are people that historically right. your, people are learning about? Yeah. Your family, yeah. right? Your blood. I, it's, I don't know. It's... It was because it wasn't really anything that was again like so, like explicitly sort of like explained or like it just was. And, and your there, dad didn't walk you know, around with like, a chip on his shoulder, and he wasn't always like, "Hey, my great great grandpa, no, my great no, fucking and, and painter, you guys are all idiots." By the time, like, you guys are all idiots. <laughs> well, that'd be one way of uh, approaching this whole thing. Just meaning like he he wasn't like we're the Renoirs, fuckers out of the way. It wasn't. No, I like, don't know, but but again, but that's what I'm asking. It, is like, <laughs> look, it doesn't yeah. sound like I, it. It came up, I'm sure, with your with your dad. You know what I mean? Your dad is one. one now you said he had his mom, right? Did, did did he have other brothers and sisters at some point or no? Sorry, my grandfather. Your, no, your dad. My dad. Or your no, wait, your yes, your grandfather was a sing, an only child or yes, no? Only he child. was an only child. Exactly. And then he had. Then your dad um, was was an only child. No, was not an only child. He had has an older brother and a younger sister. An older brother and a younger yeah. sister. Okay. Yeah. And did either one of them pursue the arts in any way, shape, or form, or did they all kind of go separate directions? They all pretty much went separate directions. Interesting. Uh, my aunt, she went to school for art and she ended up with the masters in i think art history and she's in education she's in education yeah. okay and then my uncle just music like he's okay they kind of stayed in there in some way shape or form but not but in different categories yeah yeah and your dad was like i want to just try this farm thing pretty much i mean he actually started a plumbing business in the bay area and so he still operates this business out of oakland and then lives on this farm oh okay so it just sort of the time he's kind of he's kind of an experimenter he's kind of his own way right kind of doing a, a little bit of he likes to dabble it almost kind of seems right like, right right yeah and that's that's kind of a common thread with this family too is that there's this sort of like dichotomy of like you know wanting to be in the country always wanting to be like out in the, okay the pastoral kind of settings and okay stuff. and that was the artist and that's why you know he ended up moving to south of france and doing so many of his paintings there later in his life and then even my great-grandfather having lived in Beverly Hills, put in this giant garden and planted olive trees and just had kind of this big open space of just more country kind of south of France type setting. And so that's, yeah, kind of, I don't know if that's just a common French thing, you know, to right. have like that desire to go to the south of France and to kind of experience the the big open space not be the city kid per yeah se, if i you think will. yeah i think that's it so where so okay so here's all this lineage but at what point are you you're out in the middle of nowhere let's be honest right yeah okay completely. and great you've got family that's done it but you didn't 
but know these people per se, right? No, I not mean, at not at all. No. Uh, so um, there's no direct tie or inspiration of someone putting your, you know, their arm around your shoulder and showing you the way. Right. At what point do you start going, hmm, interesting. I, I might want to explore some of this stuff. It's funny, yeah, because we, like, as kids, we'd always watch movies and, and just always be around movies. And then, you know, and not to say, like, classic movies, like, I'd watch Spaceballs, you know? Like, <laughs> that's a classic movie. That's a classic movie. What are you talking about, dude? talking about? You know, and, like, Beverly Hills Cop and all these movies. Another classic? Just, yeah, for whatever reason we'd have around. And then... Well, um, just the time. I mean, those movies were huge. Yeah, yeah. We all saw those movies, and they right. were fucking and awesome, man. VHS and having, oh, you know, blockbusters and... Yeah, video huts. Yeah, <laughs> for those of you who don't know what VHS is, <laughs> oh my god, I still have a VCR. By the way, it's it's a it's a it's a thing that's about the size of your uh, iPad. Yeah, well, uh, but and, but it's it's about as square as your iPad, a little bit thicker, and it has a bunch of tape inside of it that will just rip apart. That's okay, <laughs> and you would put these in a a machine, and it would play magical flicker pickers. Yeah, you have to put that. Think about putting your square, fat iPad into a <laughs> bigger, fatter, square iPad. And then it clunks in there, and then you have to remove a dial to get it to stop shaking. The and tracking. Then maybe, the tracking. Work, work the tracking, tracking dial. Anyway, so. Yeah, so that, and then my mom bought a video camera, and just, like, as kids, we kind of discovered that we could pick it up and just shoot stuff. And mm-hmm. so just, you know, with so our So you started Monkey. You had a, actually had a, you actually cared about the camera that was in the house yeah oh yeah so you know we shoot whatever little sketches and this is when what what era are we talking about here like for you 90s okay yeah yeah so kind of early 90s and then like in high school there would be like projects for english class where you could do you know a video project Mm. and then that kind of sparked okay well i'm gonna get a better camera and then i want to learn editing and just kind of went from there and then just kind of the perfect sort of timing of like the internet and you know making your own content editing and yeah exactly being able to put it out there a little bit easier this is still out yeah in the small towns though you're doing all this stuff yep yep so just whatever we had access to you know which wasn't much for equipment and locations and people so just shooting whatever using using the resources you had which were nil but you i'm could. trying to remember um video at, what was the first thing you would be editing on back then Those, if you're shooting with the, video? With the you're shooting like well, i'm like, trying to think your era would, would, would the, of that would that was that high eight were they the, at that point were you actually shooting right, the vhs like ones digi- or you high it eight? was like high eight digital eight digital like, eight that was know. right before the dv cams yeah, right it was dv and from dv on it was just Great. So were you already right, got, you, with the DV? You were like, "Oh, this is way easier." Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, drop yeah, it yeah. into an iMac, you know, and go Final Cut or iMovie. Okay, so so you already at that point where you yeah. could digitally edit, right? Exactly. Okay, you were already using a Mac. I didn't start yeah. using a Mac until I was like thirty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, mean, I, I went to film school. Yeah. Which, by the way, I want to I want to clarify. I didn't. I the reason why I didn't put two and two together about all your family is because I like to I like to. Be dumb when we start. Well, I'm a dumb in general, saying, yeah, but but I didn't. Cold. I don't ask yeah. any questions. So it took me while well, you were talking, and then you said about the painting, and started about the painting, and you're also talking about your your. At this point, I studied film. I should know who the hell you're talking about. But I was like, I couldn't quite like. I knew the name, 
And I was like not putting it together. And that's why I was like, as I'm asking you questions, I'm slowly, it's like all like it's opening up a, a chest that it hasn't opened in a long time. Well, I th- yeah. thinking. And it was started, so I'm asking questions simultaneously getting confused of what is going on because I'm like, I should know all this stuff. I studied all this. But I think I might, I might have, Melissa might have told me about the great great grandfather as the painter. And I just didn't put that. I was like, oh, his grandfather's a painter. Cool. Like, yeah, but for me, I studied film. Right. Yeah. So I should have when you started talking I've, about the film thing, I should have started putting all these things together and I wasn't. I was just more like, Tell me your life story. Yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. There but, was a tie. But, but but if you know nothing about art, you can still say Picasso, Renoir, and right. people go, Oh yeah, well they're good. <laughs> yeah, but you but, but but my whole thing is when we first started because it didn't come up at first, you'd also don't want to be like, Hey, you are you uh you know, people hate that thing when like they hear like the last name, like well, that's, assume that's, yeah. that you're tied to everything and you know what right. I mean? And that's why I kind of do like, oh, the artist, like just because right. it's always, oh, you know. Because imagine if you, you weren't, have, have to ask that question. That, no, we're, we're, we're yeah, the yeah. ones that accomplished nothing in their lives. <laughs> My great great grandfather? No, no, no. Yeah, he we, was homeless. We, this has been a rub in our family all the time that we have to live with this name. So, um, no, but um, I, because when I went to film school, it was old school, dude. Like I was cutting film. Oh yeah, and taping yeah. them back together. But I love that. I love splicing. the touching, totally. splicing the touchy feely aspect of it. I actually, you know, obviously now I can do digital editing and stuff like that. But it was, but the initial concept of having to do all that was was pretty yeah. interesting. I just think it was. It was. I'm sure it was interesting. It just you can do so much quicker. And, oh yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's just like turnaround times now are ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you can you as you know now you can shoot a film. And you can have that. You can have that film out. Like a legit film can be shot and put in play within a year, which yeah. is unrealistic oh, back yeah, then. There was, yeah. you know, there were so many other things, you know, that you had to wait for back in the day. For sure, that must um, have been hard. Watching as an dailies actor. on on set now, being the guys that just sit in the corner and just get the dailies, you know, a rough daily synced up so you can find out if you got all your shots and yeah. how they're all tying together. Like it's just crazy. Yeah, you know. So it's just times totally. have changed completely. But so you. So did you go to college? I did. And yes. where did you go? Where did you go to school? So I went initially to a junior college, okay. in Merced, and um, didn't have any idea what I was going to do. Like, just stayed there too long, and it wasn't until I had a meeting with a counselor that she said, "You're done. Like, you should leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> please leave." Yeah, we've like, yeah. There's now, no more you can learn now, here. Merced is also where that girl went missing, right? She's the the famous no uh, um, years ago. Oh, the one the the politician. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chandra Levy. You have nothing to do with that, right? That's yeah. not where you were asked to leave. We're in not going to talk about this. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So I told him you didn't have to talk about anything you didn't want to. <laughs> But that's but that's that's the hometown, yeah. right? That's yeah. why the only reason why I even know where Merced is. Oh yeah, is I think that was in the news all the time wow. about where that's where she was from. She went missing, I think, back east, though, right? That was yeah. her running or yes. she the one that went right. running yeah. or whatever. Yeah. No, that the, the girl that never got resolved, yeah. did it? I thought there was something recently. There's something it came up again, but I, yeah, I don't. It's think still it was. a cold case. Interesting. So anyway, so you were asked yeah. to leave that particular school. junior same college. Year, it's funny. Year. I've never heard anybody that's actually been called in. You're done said, here. Now, in a good way, though. Were they saying you're tapped <laughs> well, no, out here? You I need mean, to go. I, I was what like, did you do? What What do I need? What oh, What okay. should I be doing? You know, but but she's. You've outgrown me. this place. Oh, you should like you're you're like a semester over. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> you, you gotta go. Yeah. We don't need any lifers here, dude. So yeah. if you wouldn't mind, you're hanging out there. You're like 45, like oh, yeah, junior college. <laughs> it's like all right, Let's Wooderson. Party. Thanks, dude. <laughs> so. She was. She asked me what I want to do, and I just said, "Well, I like film." And then she pulled out a list of like state schools that had film programs, and it was like, I think it was like Fresno and maybe somewhere else down south and San Francisco State. And I was like, "Oh, well, I have family in the Bay Area, so I'll go to San Francisco State." And then that's where I ended up going and doing the 
cutting on film, shooting on 16 mil. Oh, you did? Yeah. You did? Oh, yeah. You still did that? Okay. Yep. Yeah. That, they, they made us do Did that. you like it? I really did. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's more, there's, it's like, you have to be more precise. You have to yes. know what you're doing. Yes. Like digital stuff, you can look at a monitor. You can, you know, play it back right away. Where the film stuff, you're like, well, hopefully when I open it, it's not spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, that I really like that, but um, I I sort of wavered. I went back to English lit as a major, and then went back to film, and so finished with both of those. That's okay. Majors. It's always good to have a backup plan, just in case. Yeah, right? you know the English lit. <laughs> I get so many calls for that. I'll yeah, I have a degree in English literature yeah. too, and uh, not one person's like, "Ooh, a degree in English literature." <laughs> Sit right down, Mister Huck. We've got a position for you here. But typically, you do that because you can you can translate that turning into be a, a teacher, or right? Right. That, teacher, that's kind of yeah. the path through. End up or you like know. my mom said, just if you can graduate college in four or five years, it shows you can do something. There's so that too. Whatever yeah. the whatever the major is, whatever it is, you stuck with something. It's, for, it's like a I, participation. I took five and a half. Is that why I can't show that I can do something? I took five. You said four to five. Oh, I, I think I'm, I, oh, I'm, I'm I have, like six. Oh, oh I, you were six? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I had five only because I had cancer. So I oh, had to okay. Do Great. Otherwise, I would have done it in do, four. Do we end the show now? <laughs> Guys, show's over. I win. Mic drop. Who wins the podcast? The guy who had cancer. Rock, paper, cancer. <laughs> cancer beats rock and paper. So yes, it was just a testicle. Just to be clear, do you know I John's remember, history? Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, I wasn't there. Not but, just no. a testicle, John. I'm yeah. sorry about your testicle. Yeah, wow. Geez, I don't want to. Well, well, that's that's why I can sit like this now. <laughs> I only have one. <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't sit like this before. I can, but that's because mine are tiny. That's they because don't get, they don't get in the way. Because your wife keeps her ears <laughs> in a jar. No, on her no. Desk. <laughs> Bang. No, they're little Irish tiny balls. Okay. Brian, M- Just in time for the holidays. M M&M and M nuts. M and M with nuts. No, no, no. Brian has M and M nuts. So anyway, so you, you went there, and um, obviously, you, you know, with all schools, you make stuff. You, you, yeah, you, you know, you shoot your stuff. But that's um, that, now in the difference between what I was doing in college and what you were doing in college at the time that you were in college was. Was the internet a place that you could start putting stuff up to get reactions at that point, or was this with that still a little bit ahead of the? Oh, curve, it was, you know? yeah, it, YouTube was in like full swing, and yeah, because I can't remember when YouTube hit. I'm trying to remember when YouTube it's was like, actually a thing. I feel like I didn't see it until 2004. 2004. I think about yeah. I mean that same yeah. Because yeah. before that, it was specialty places. Like I had my first film. I posted on iFilm.com. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Totally remember. That was all the rage, right? right? iFilm was like before YouTube, if you were a filmmaker and you wanted to showcase, you could do it. You could pay 50 bucks to get on the front page. So I did all that stuff. And it was fun, you know? Because I remember there was that, that's where the first viral movies were coming from. But it was interesting because someone had to tell you about it. Yeah, you know? you're not getting emails about it. <laughs> no, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. because it was again, it was a small circle, but that's when it was just people were starting to really experience this whole like, oh, you can you can start sharing movies, short films, yeah. and it's they're funny. Like it was all about funny oh, or yeah. clever yeah. or whatever. And God, it seems so long ago now. That was early 2000s, so that was pre. Th- yeah. That'd been about 2000 when iFilm, I think, was kind of a the iFilm community was the big thing. Now, did you dabble in the iFilm community as well before I, YouTube or no? No, I don't. I mean, I remember seeing and I remember visiting. I think I to check stuff to, out. Yeah, I never put anything up there, but don't even know if they exist anymore at this point. But YouTube was like yeah. so. Did, in college, uh, were you ever able to make 
like a film, short or otherwise, that caused people the same reaction that your great grandfather? Oh, like yeah. burning down theaters. Yeah, Would two you make theaters any, went up in flames. Did you make, <laughs> make any controversial? Because the film got stuck in the machine, yeah. or what, what happened? You didn't. What type of? What type of? There were those lanterns <laughs> inside, and so yeah. Well, I guess my question is, what type of things did you enjoy making when you were like when you were in college? Like, was it all about comedy? Was it all about? You know, were you trying to do weird black and white French movies? Were you? Yeah, I mean, we. I had, call, I call them weird. It was weird. I <laughs> Different. Think, yeah. I yeah. Think were was, you trying to experiment, or were you trying to be narrative? Uh, more Ooh, of a narrative. Film yeah, terms. More comedy. Type I got stuff. kicked out of film school for being narrative because oh. uh, the school I went to, uh, University of Wisconsin Milwaukee, is an avant-garde film school. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they teach avant-garde filmmaking, God. and I wanted to make a movie about a talking parrot. <laughs> And so I remember making it, and we were screening them all, and people were like doing like, you know, showing a guy hanging himself where he was jacking off behind like a screen, and like really like yeah, out there dude, shit. Avant-garde filmmaking does <laughs> yeah, but, not do but, it for me, man. But I will, I will bring back, and you may understand yeah. this. So then I show mine, and everyone's like, everyone in the class loved it because it was a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it, it was funny. It was a fucking movie they could follow. Right. Yeah, but you story. had to get a certain grade to advance, and so my teacher was so mad at me. Like, I got a, um, a, um, a B minus, you needed a B plus in order to move on. And so I ended up getting kicked out of film school for making a narrative. What? Yeah, but you know, whatever. I mean, you learn. But yeah, here's yeah. the thing in hindsight, clearly you're not gonna because you get kicked out of school. <laughs> but in hindsight, I will say, as much as I was mad back, you know, you get that, and I was mad, and I was like, you know, I I was angry that I got kicked out. But I also understood, from a filmmaking standpoint, there's point of view. There's a different way to express yourself and how you set up a camera and how you shoot and how you tell a story. And that was what I was supposed to be getting out of avant-garde filmmaking. It wasn't supposed to be so bizarre that nobody understood what the fuck you were doing. It was supposed to teach you there are different ways to tell a story. You don't always have to do it the cookie-cutter way. And that's why I got kicked out, was because I was was too cookie-cutter. And that's fine, and that's why I'm still a failure. But my point is... That's why. (laughs) That's the only reason. There is a purpose. (laughs) There is a purpose to teaching avant-garde filmmaking, as you would probably agree. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. How, I, how to set up a camera and how to tell the story. There are different ways to get there. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying did it's you, not. Did not you take avant garde film classes and stuff like that or no? No, I didn't. Just uh, like documentary film. Like a lot, of, mostly film studies. Because with San Francisco State, it's like you pretty much have to be a graduate student to make a film. I mean, you you could be in a, you know, experimental class or you could be in like a documentary and you really just watch films for the most part. During your time in school, did they reference your grandfather? Yes, and and did people know that there was your grandfather, or were you that guy that just kind of did the teachers know? I I actually I think I had one. It was in a film comedy class actually, and he was like, "Oh, you know, you related," and so we talked. But um, <laughs> but for the most part, you could kind of go under the radar on that stuff. For the it most wasn't, part, yeah. I mean, there would be like those kids, you know, that knew that were like, what, you know. Different. They've done their research. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> but it was detached enough that you didn't feel any pressure, right? Like you, did you still feel like even even if it was found out a little bit? No, or did you feel like no? I, didn't care. No, no, I didn't. I mean, I'm proud of it for sure, but no, but pressure on you, pressure on me too. Like that when you're in film school, like oh, what's this guy gonna make then? What's up? Right, a little bit. I actually, I I was signed up for one production class, which was directing, and I just like turned and walked out. I just. At the time, I don't know. Just felt like would be, I would be in that situation. Okay, just, you know, too much expectation. I think. Yeah. So you finish, you finish school, and now what are you doing? Like, what, what do you end up doing? Well, it was funny. I signed up with like these internships 
like through the school and so I graduated and then actually before graduating even I was editing for this nonprofit this uh, it's called Bay Kids and they basically go into children's hospital and they teach kids how to make films and so they'll just be like any any age any sort of like condition these kids are in and they'll make these films and so I would just edit the films and so that was really cool and then I had another internship on a film and so maybe a week after graduating, I was working on a feature in San Francisco. And when you say working on it, like doing what kind of stuff? It was like production assistant, basically. Okay. Yeah. You know, going, picking up cameras, picking up lenses. Like well, that's, that's the, at least that's the good kind of production assistant. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're dealing with the gear. You're dealing with the camera department. You're not like getting some jerk off in a suit coffee or like right, having exactly. to carry, go get somebody's dry cleaning or some bullshit. Now, yeah. which is interesting, and I, I'd be curious to get your take because my, my belief is that it's actually smart to learn how to edit because it actually helps you behind the camera as oh, well. Yeah, absolutely. So was that kind of an, an intentional thing for you or was that one of those like, I learned to edit because I got tired of asking other people to help me. I think that So was, that was why I did it. Yeah. But I also, it also really does help you tell a story because if you learn that when you actually do it the other, when you get in, you know, and behind the camera to actually start telling the story that at that point, the editing has really come into play. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause it's like you have a list and as you're, shooting as you're setting up you know what you need you know you know what's gonna go where and so so that yeah i, I mean i had that i'd and there's more jobs on well yeah yeah <laughs> <It's made laughs> more work and so yeah and then i've i've been an editor i mean i've done that as as a job but it's not my love and right so, you know but it's good that you know it yeah yeah absolutely it's like invaluable definitely and so at what point did you end up down here about two years after I graduated, so okay. 2010. And what was the down. reason you finally decided to come down here? What What was the final jump? The Bay Area, there's film there, but it's just so small. Yeah, and I mean, not just in population and like geography, but just the pool of production is so small mm -hmm. that everybody there is sort of established in a role. Okay, so if you come in the new crop, you're not really gonna. There's not a lot of turnover. There's not advancement. There's not really yeah. interesting like climbing the ladder kind of thing. So you can get stuck. Yeah, definitely. And so there are TV shows go up there all the time. You know, films come up all the time to shoot exteriors, to shoot a couple, you know, nice shots of whatever the Market Street or whatever else, and yeah. and then they leave. And so a lot of times they just bring up their own crew, and, and it's not that far there. from LA, so it's probably cheaper for them to just bring everybody up they know, yeah, yeah, and then use people they trust, and then ship them all back. Exactly. Yeah. And then there just aren't the resources up there that there are here with equipment, with locations, just the logistics of shutting down a street up there, or you know whatever shooting at night and shooting you know with more equipment and crew and everything just the city's not built for that you know it's seven miles by seven miles yeah <laughs> like, right it is you can walk across city. it yeah yeah exactly so you know it's it's fun but then the the weather's unpredictable you know it's like almost always foggy at a certain point it's cold it's you know whatever shifting so so anyway it just sort of dried up i was working on you know i'd been a production coordinator and then i was back to being a production assistant on commercials just wasn't Loving it, yeah. And so, so you get down here, and yeah. so what did what have you been doing down here? Like, what's your uh, what's your life arc since 2010 coming this way? So now? I came down as uh, not knowing really anybody or what to do. Oh, no you didn't plans, really, so you didn't, really didn't know that many people down. Nobody here. from film school had moved down here. A couple or? people I knew from San Francisco had moved down before I did, but 
they, you weren't like they super weren't tight like established. Oh, anything, okay. You know, they'd go back up to work. You know? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, it just initially it was like production assistant work, and then um, I bought a camera, a little DSLR, and just was like, okay, I'll, I'll start shooting stuff. Like I'll be a DP, I'll be a cinematographer, and that's where it started. And so I've been working as a cinematographer the last six years. Okay, and you know that's been my lifeline. That's been my and job. But that's so so. But the ultimate goal is. To be a storyteller, not just a cinematographer? Right, right, exactly. And so I've done some producing, I've done some writing, shot a lot of stuff, done some directing. So, so you're doing the other stuff yeah, as exactly. well, but the primary through right, has been the cinematographer. Right, exactly. Okay. You know, because, you know, getting, getting hired out the gate as a director or as a writer, you know, is pretty hard. So with the equipment, it's nice because then people know, like, right away, okay, well, you can do this specific task. Plus, it can meet so many different types of projects you know as far as just the usefulness of having equipment and the cinematography stuff are you doing uh film television like what's your commercial like what's your it's thing a mix a lot of uh documentaries shorts okay. and features and then commercials music videos okay industrials i was doing weddings for a while that's done um <laughs> <laughs> yeah not so fun huh um yeah just all any web series that's the you know people call them pilots but web series right right know, that a lot of those that's, okay that's like the huge thing and so just just varies by project okay and but do you want to be a if ultimately the the, the case or the, 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 the to be a storyteller do you see yourself more as somebody in the film world like where would you where would you get the most out of it? Uh, the love for you is it film? Film is for it? Sure. Okay, it is. Yeah. It's, it's so absolutely. So a web series. You want to get back into? Yeah, I want to do a web series about a thirty-something-year-old who doesn't know what to do with his life. Oh my gosh! Wait, can can, yeah. can one of his friends be a comedian? What? <laughs> but what do when the web series thing started? Um, like now, you there can be technically there can be decent web series for sure. But yeah. when it started, it was not a very respected thing. And I remember telling these people, like, I have to leave. I have, I am supposed to shoot a web series. And someone goes, don't ever say that again. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, you sound like a fucking idiot. And I was like, wait, what? And I go, we're going to shoot a web series? I go, they hired me to shoot this thing. Yeah, I'm going to go. And you're like, what? I want to be an actor. This is acting. I don't know what wow. else to do. But yeah, I, I get it. There, not a lot of originality going on. No. But that's the whole town anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So sure. film, not so much TV, not so much, definitely not commercials. No, no. Yeah. I think I like film because it's finite. I think because it's not a series, it's not a season after season. I think there's an ending. Like, yeah, exactly. You can live in something for a period of time. Exactly. And be done with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the most appealing. And then move on to something else that challenges or inspires you, kind right. of thing, versus living in the same. Totally, totally. And and because there are some directors that um, they like their, their movies are very different. Each movie is very different. And then yeah. there are others where you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're making the same. <laughs> well, <laughs> movie but, over and over again. but those are those are careers, and I guess it's you know to each his own, right? Like sure. you just say the same thing in stand up comedy, where you're like, oh, yep. this guy's just slinging jokes. Sure, but well, if that's what they love to do. It's not you, right? That's the thing is you realize after a while. Yeah. You're like, eh, eh, that's you. That's what you want to do. That's fine. It's not me. But like, I'm, in, I'm this guy. I'm, like, I'm going to do this thing, you know? And in like right. anything, I use comedy just because that's what I know, but like it takes a while to find your voice as a filmmaker, as any, any kind of artist. It takes mm-hmm. like, like, I want to be a painter. Okay, you can start painting, but you're not going to, 
you know, you're going to imitate Bob Ross for long enough, then you're going to yeah. find out who you are. You know what I mean? Like, it, with everything, you kind of emulate who you respect, who you, who kind of influenced you, and then you try to build on that, but eventually you find out exactly who you are and you figure out how you should sound and what you should be doing and what your movie should look like. And Absolutely. Et cetera. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I said that all that. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's what we're talking about. But... Uh, all right, so I'm sorry. Where were you? What were, what was going on? He's done. He's actually out of the business. <laughs> <at this laughs> <point. laughs> he realized it's the last cut. draw was doing a podcast yeah. called Hollywood Anonymous. When then he, I decided he it was realized over. when he was yeah, when he was looking back on his life, he's like, you know, I've made some bad choices. Now that I've said them all out loud, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I think it's time to go back to the farm. <laughs> <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta go bail. Hey. Dad was right. Did Dad still time. have the farm? Yeah. Oh, let's see. So let's yeah, see. it was. Uh, and not without like its fun shares of ironies, but he moved us there in the eighties, and then about ten years later, a golf course was put in right next to it. Like, does he like golfing? Line. No, uh, no, he probably <laughs> was, likes land, yeah. and not so much people cutting down trees. It and was a thousand down acres everything. of nothing of like beautiful. Oh natural, Jesus! It's only a matter of time, man. And then, like that. That's America. Is that a Trump course? course? No, no, and actually, it's. It was finally shut down, like last year. They were not quite making their money or something, and they just decided, Interesting. I've never heard of a yeah, golf course getting ad shut down. I oh, yeah, those. dude, yeah. California, the drought. Oh, also. right. Keeping, know, keeping that, if you're not having people uh, all the time paying big money, then it's hard to maintain a yeah. golf course. Man. Oh, That's just yeah. So it's, it's coming back. It's, it's turning oh, yeah. back into it's, a wild... It took not even a month or two, and it just was like... Mother Nature. Boom. Back yep. to... Basics or Mother Nature looks left, looks right, and goes, no, no one's coming back? All right, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Gone. Totally, totally. Uh, so, out of college. Yeah, well, he's, he's out like, of college doing here, your I'm thing. Here. Yeah. Now, so, for you right now, like, a lot of people move to L.A., and they put a lot of pressure on themselves, like, I got to do something, like, I got to get to this goal yeah. by such and such time, or the anxiety is going to kill me, and I got to get out of this. Do you Do you have any of that, or are you... Do you? I know we were joking earlier about like uh, you don't need money. You you come. From, I, I don't really know if that's the truth, but do you feel any any pressure on you? Do you put pressure on yourself, or are you kind of like I'm in this for the long haul? Or how do you see? How are De you driven? Yeah, yeah, definitely long haul. And I've just always been a very very slow starter, like a late bloomer. Just you know, didn't really have that much motivation like right growing up. Like, this is sounding terrible no um, but dude, no but i'm with you, you brothers something. and sisters yeah. by the way yeah and and are you are, are you held do you ever feel like you're held to stand are they different than you totally. in that respect yeah, i'm the middle child okay and, they're and super competitive and what do they do yeah what are they, where, where are they in this world so my brother is a programmer okay and he does freelance programming up in the bay area okay and so he's he's either like outdoors you know climbing rocks and things or he's working for google or whatever else and okay and then my sister works at a school for kids with like autism and okay so she works basically with you know she's saving the world she's doing good things yeah, for the world okay totally. good good Thanks. i love when i hear those stories because it just always reminds me how selfish i am it's yeah like, <laughs> i do yeah she spends her time with you know people doing good are, yeah you know <laughs> kids that Never. I wrote a joke about cum the other day, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't see the difference, really. 
But so you don't, you're not like, okay, it's been six years. I mean, and are, so if, if you want to be that storyteller, is there, is there a projects though that you've been working on over yeah. time that you're very passionate totally. about and you feel like, okay, now do you have them at the point where you want to make them now or are you still develop them, developing them in a way that you don't, you're not ready for that yet? It's, it's more like I start, I start sort of a bunch of projects and then they're all just like snails, like, going, you know, so they're all going, mm-hmm. they're just not done. Okay. And so um, I've got a couple things, like a couple shorts that are done, and I've got a feature that will be done probably within the next month that okay. produced. And I'm working on it. Well, oh, that's actually done. Like you shot yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, when you produced uh, that, did you also do the cinematography on there? Did I didn't. We, no, you didn't. You just, just produced just it. Just produced. Just okay. everything I could to make it happen. Like, so the, the what the so you made a feature film. Yeah. And how was so tell me about the feature film you made. So it's a. Uh, we're calling it a detective supernatural thriller, and it's okay. basically um, it's a narrative feature thriller mm-hmm. that is about a suspect in a murder who claims to be a fallen angel, and so most of the film takes place in an interrogation room. Mm-hmm. It's this very cat and mouse, very like play kind of situation. Yeah, and um, micro budget, you know, really good story, really good actors, and everything else just kind of came together, but. Um, it's, when did you shoot it? We shot it three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Even if you have a lot of money and you're with a major studio, how long? Absolutely. Uh, the yeah. fact that anything gets made ever is I, it blows my mind it's a every miracle. time. Total yeah. miracle. Yeah. Anything is gross up. Like, if you can just see, if you can, if you could walk onto a movie set, you'd be like, wait, what? When is this supposed to be? What? What is everyone doing? Like, you would just be like, well, this is never getting made. Well, you know, yeah, or that, or like, you know, using Henry Phillips as an example, his movie still is not out. It's coming it's, out in February. But you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's it just, it's amazing how- Yeah, it takes how a while. It's, yeah. it, every step of the way, there's something that says, probably not. Like, yeah. every step of the way. And those li- oh, and the little indie ones are- Something that day, are, something, anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's all, yeah, there's always issues every time, every oh, time. Yeah. We're starting at this time. You never start at that time. Yeah. So, micro-budget, three years. Explain to me what, why three years for them? What were, what were some of the- Obviously, there had to be a few pitfalls here if it took yeah, three years yeah, to get totally. this done. What was, what was the reason and that, that it's, it's taken three years to get it? Yeah, post-production. I mean, it's, it's said to be sort of like the Achilles heel of- independent film is that you don't save money for post Mm -hmm. and that was our problem we had saved a bit and we hired an editor and it just he just wasn't committed to it and he took about a year because of the rate exactly rates determine commitment yeah and that's and that's okay right you know you can't you we got it the one thing about the film business which is dangerous is giving away everything right devaluing what What you you do yeah to the table. I yeah, think it's yeah. it's dangerous because we all are so close to doing it every day, right? Mm-hmm. Because of our love for wanting to do what we do. It's a dangerous thing, you yeah, know? Yeah. So so unfortunately with a micro budget, you pay with time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was really everything else was in line. If I could do it over again, I would hire an editor first before shooting. Oh, and okay. ha- have him on yeah. set with you? I would just be there to hand him off dailies, be there. Yeah. Have him assemble. And like start that. start right there. That I just it never occurred to me, you know. But these are the things but, you but, learn. But, yeah, but I yeah. never, I'd never even seen that before. I did a, a, a my second, I did an independent comedy or whatever. But they had a guy on set, yeah. e- editing as the footage came out, and right. I and I was right. like, oh my god, I'd never. And in my head, I was like, Jesus, they must want to get this done quickly. And it still took two and a half years totally. or whatever yeah. for me to see a final cut. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it was just a mix of of the funds and then scheduling and just sort of. You know, oh well, we need to pick up this scene. 
okay, so next month and the next month and, you know, just things get pushed. And with you, and, the things that you get involved with, whether it's producing or making them, is it, does it, is it passion first or do you, does it have to have intent? Like when I say intent, like, okay, we're going to do this, but like, what's the point of doing this? Like, where is this thing going? Like, I don't want to be doing a bunch of stuff that has nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah. That, that took a couple of years to happen, you know, in terms of making that sort of like decision or you know being able to go okay well what's where's this going what's this going to do mm-hmm. kind of thing and really it's the story and starts with that if i like the story if i like what i think the film will be that's like the beginning at least or the sort of deciding factor but then yeah it's just i mean i i used to just say to everybody oh you want to shoot something let's go shoot something right you know I literally like every actor that i liked working with i would say you want to shoot something you call me and then i would start shooting things with people web series but random every every actor every comedian has a different thing they want to shoot so you're all over the place they just and those go nowhere and then you're working with people who are flakes and who just don't really give a shit well when it comes to filmmaking too i think that um you by family but um me by just what i grew up with and what my understandings were it's so funny when you can go to imdb right and as an example um your grandfather um you said made 41 films and you look at that and you go, who's even able to do that anymore? Like what directors make more than 10 in their whole careers now? So we get this caught up thing that, that somehow or another you're going to get into the right stream in the ocean and you're just going to be cranking out like, you know, X amount of movies every year. And it's not like that anymore. I mean, you'd be hard pressed. You can work on a, it could take three to five years just to make one. And you start doing the math. You're like, shit, I'll be lucky if I make seven. Totally. Yeah. As, a, as a director for my whole Before career. Before my kidneys fail. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just, it really is interesting. So, I mean, do you think about that stuff too? Is that why you also produce so that you can be involved in multiple more projects? So you're not only directing, but you can also produce so you don't have to look back and go, I only made like three things my whole entire career. It's odd. Yeah, I, th- I think too, the way I learn is just by watching. And I think that's part of it too, that I just, you know, when I'm be like, okay, well, when I do step into that position... I've seen it before mm-hmm. kind of thing. I'm familiar, familiar with it at least. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I, it's, it's the hardest thing too, is like not comparing yourself to others. That's like mm-hmm. something that I think is it's any artist, any, anybody yeah, doing yeah. anything like this. I agree. It's, it's so it's hard. So ridiculous. And, um, so with know, cinematography, by the way, to jump back. Yeah. Did you, as you said you were doing a lot of documentary kind of stuff. Was right. there, were there certain projects that you really liked and did any of them ever kind of accomplish anything that you thought they might? Yeah, yeah. Um, I shot a documentary called Beast Wishes that was a really great project that's about this couple, Bob and Kathy Burns, who live in Burbank, that have the largest movie prop collection in the world. And it's all screen use props from anywhere from like Lon Chaney Jr. Jesus. up until you know, Guillermo del Toro stuff, whatever. And they're all given to them. Like, these aren't people who collect as far as buy. They don't go to auctions. They don't go purchase things. They're not buying and selling. They're just collecting to keep as, like, a museum. Okay. And so it was just a really cool story. And then meeting, like, Joe Dante and John Landis and Greg Nicotero and, like, Rick Baker and interviewing all these people that I'm like, oh, my God. That are, and you interviewed them because yeah. they are familiar with what these they people gave, do? they've given them. They've given, Greg Nicotero exactly. does Walking Dead yeah. and everything. And Bob and Kathy pretty much fostered all of these people's careers, which is crazy, too. They were just kind of there, like, 
they used to do these Halloween shows mm-hmm. where people would come and help build a set for Halloween. And the first one they did was Alien in 1979. And they built an entire like Nostromo set out in the front yard and had people come through. You would basically wow. walk through. Kids? Like, kids, anybody. Walk wow. right through the yeah. alien ship. Yeah, and they would have people huh. that would build like the alien suit or whatever. They just had these amazing industry people that could do that stuff. Yeah. And so with Alien, some Fox executives came to see it and they're like, where did you get this stuff? And they're like, oh, we built it. They're like, how much did you spend? And they're like, whatever, like, you know. Way less than you did, Fox Studios. (laughs) Yeah. And they gave Bob and Kathy all of the Alien stuff. Like, everything that they'd kept. Like, all the ships, all of the, like, heads, all the everything, you know. To to use or just to give them? They're like, here you go. Here you go, yeah. So so were these people, did they used to run a prop house or something like that? How did they even get, they just, they're just, they're just always, they they just just love the business. Like Bob, Bob was really good friends with Glenn Strange, you know, from like the 50s on. Like he knew Ed Wood, you know, he just was, he was there. They're eclectic people, obviously. Okay. And he worked for CBS and his wife works for CBS and they were just kind of around, you know, from I think the 50s on. And so, they would do these Halloween shows and it would just attract more and more people and those people would meet other people and it would just somehow, you know, it was like a big mixer basically. Yeah. Everybody yeah. would end up The party you wanted to be else. at. Yeah, 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 exactly. So so it was a great, just an amazing story and to be in the room with like the American Werewolf and the Gremlins. Jesus, yeah, like that's crazy. The flying Saucer from Plan Night from Outer Space. Ah. And alien heads and stuff. I like it's how just, you held your hand out. Like the Flying Saucer is like it's probably its hand size. Yeah. It's like it they did all models model and like, yeah. yeah. But is, is this their house they keep all this yeah. stuff in? Yeah. Not, not a warehouse. They have a storage unit way out in like uh, San Dimas. Okay. But their garage is full of stuff. They built on an addition to the back of their house that just houses everything else is it do they run it and treat it like a museum or do you have to know these people to see this stuff you, like so you I'm pretty much to... have to know they tried to open a museum in burbank and burbank said oh no there'd be traffic there would be this whatever oh boohoo why house. celebrate what we're yeah, designed for here boohoo so, i love i love i love that about la and uh, the the surrounding so area like, everything you, don't was... make your movies here hey don't come on come back make your movies here yeah. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is your deal so this is this is out yet or this is something yeah. you worked on it's out it's, it's it can be found where independently distributed okay so you could find it you go to any like creatures you know creature features in burbank or whatever like you know kind of independent stores will have them okay their website has it oh okay and so and it's um, it's called beast beast wishes. beast wishes beast wishes yeah yeah beast wishes so that was just a blast because the story was great and then meeting all those people yeah you know it's just that's i mean the, the, but but that's what uh as my friend used to call it, the perks of the business like you get a job like that and yeah. you, you don't really know everyone you're going to come in contact with and all of a sudden you're like in a room with people you're like oh well this is impressive yeah you know what yeah, i mean yeah. and it's just because totally. you're just doing your job you're just working yeah yeah exactly anything else that you worked on that you really enjoyed i mean or was that one of your that's obviously your favorite because that, that you perked yeah up i mean that was like that being in la for a year okay and like Kind of, that's I, the that's I mean, the thing that'll I, keep you hanging on. That's <laughs> like when you get one of those things that you really love. You're like, oh no, this is what it's all about. And then you're like, oh, I could I could you know shovel through this shit for another couple yeah, of years yeah, yeah. to get something more like that. Like seriously, it's just one one nice thing um, linking to another. Yeah. So there there are like little shoots that happen all the time that are really fun that are surprising. Mm-hmm. Like Barney's yeah, Beanery with John Huck that was that probably was a good probably one. The highlight. Yeah, and, um, very talented. But I'm working on a Dungeons and Dragons documentary right now, and it's oh, yeah. it's the whole history of the the game and just the whole history of Dungeons and Dragons, basically. And I 
I just didn't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. I knew you could play it on a table. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm with you so That's, far. Yeah, I don't know. Gotta that. have an imagination. There's more. There's a die. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I just I had friends who played it growing up, and I just thought it was like the nerdiest thing. Oh man, ever. I could not get into it. Yeah, I just thought this this is a joke. You know, how and, dare those people be over there using their oh, imaginations? imaginations. Yeah. I just didn't. I didn't. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna go play TV. baseball. I'll see you later. Yeah. Like, I just didn't care. And so, with with Pat Kilbane and Melissa McQueen, who have been making this documentary, and just we went to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, where Gary Gygax invented the game. I didn't realize it was invented Geneva? in Wisconsin. In Geneva, Lake, Lake Geneva, <laughs> my, my. in Wisconsin. Yeah, 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 no, okay. no. Yeah. My, my, not, yeah, not, not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Switzerland. No, no, was, Lake Geneva. Yeah, yeah, Lake yeah. Geneva. It's like where my mom and her boyfriend go, like, oh. they have a timeshare. Like, we've begun yeah, to Lake Geneva. Oh, that's hilarious. You know yeah. about the fibs? Did they fill in on the fibs? That's what he would be classified as. If going into oh, Wisconsin oh, like for those in those Illinois areas. bastards, they call them fibs <laughs> because that Lake Geneva was a vacation de- destination for Illinois. Wisconsin yeah. is yeah. Illinois' outdoor playground. Right, right. That's so we were there in March, so it was totally, the lake was frozen. Yeah, you can't win quiet time. Yeah, it was it was nice. I mean, yeah. definitely. It's contrast. a cool little area. But Gary, did you interview Gary Gygax? He died. Oh, he's um, <laughs> in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> you should have led with that yeah. one. That was a pretty good story. Um, no, he, he passed ago, away. Few, not okay. too long ago. But but we went to the house where he played the game. We went to the basement. You know, was he an old? Like, so how long? So if he was he older, is that why? Or no? Yeah, yeah. And he, I think he was like a pretty heavy smoker and just, okay just bad health well, yeah, okay, well that's where a guy living in a basement playing a yeah. dungeons and dragons is not the picture perfect uh when did so not, not to not read the documentary but i am intrigued so you you find this out like when did he actually how long ago did it start it was like 70s when it was commercially okay. available but he and his friends just wanted to play war games and those were just like in the use, 70s 60s, yeah. 60s. So oh, Gary Gygax is old. Probably even yeah. older than that. Actually. So you actually know who he's talking about? Yeah, yeah. Only because he's shown up on like a Futurama episode, and he was like, oh. he, when Al Gore was on, he had the twenty sided die, and Al Gore was like, "Hey, don't make me take those away from you," like because he was trying to play Dungeons and Dragons and everything. Everything's not a twenty sided die, like. But yeah, uh, that's the only reason I kind of know the name because they reference him on cartoons I watch. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's a cool story anyway, because basically he and his, like, two friends started this company, and they had, like, $1,000, and they made these manuals, so you got basically a booklet, and then even they were selling those, and so they had, like, each one, each person that had basically a third of the company, Okay, got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it was like, oh, one guy passes away, and his wife gets those shares, she doesn't like Gary, you know, like it just, then all of a sudden it gets all political. And uh, they got bigger. They got so big. And then there was the big controversy that it was devil worship, that it was uh, satanic. And that drove the sales, sales way up. So high. Oh, yeah. Because people were buying things to burn. <laughs> like there was That's one hilarious. church that like got together all these books and things on their pavement, you know, whatever, in their parking lot. Got a bulldozer. It's like it destroyed their parking lot and then it destroyed all the books. That they so, bought. Yeah, and the kids are like, oh, I want, what, what was that? Because uh, I want to check it out. Now I'm definitely going to yeah, read yeah. it. I'm trying like, to remember. It peaked, it was peaked in the 80s or the 90s? When, was, think, when did it hit its 80s? 80s, I okay. think. Okay. Yeah. 
Because I always think of like freaks and geeks or, you know, yeah. whatever, Salt Lake City punk or something. The, just always, you know. The, there is and a I think they did it in Stranger Things, right? They were playing yeah, Stranger Yes, it starts yeah. out with yep. yeah, them playing D&D. But I, I remember in college, these kids were like, oh, you never played D&D? And I was like, no. It's like, oh, you got to play. I'm like, okay. So while they're setting it up, we're all just sitting around getting high. I ended up getting so high that when they started to play, I go, I'm just going to go into the woods and walk around. Like, <laughs> I don't want to, like, what? With a sword? Casting spells? No, nah, dude, I'm just going to go hang out. Like, this is not my deal. <laughs> Did not like it, but have you guys talked to Mike Nagel at all? No, he wrote a he wrote a whole book about D and D that maybe I'll put you guys no, in touch. Should, yeah, yeah, because we got John Peterson wrote this like it's like this this book on D and D and it's just like this wealth of information. <laughs> but um, but it's crazy because now it's like Elon Musk plays it, like you know all these huge communities, all these huge actors play it. Vin Diesel is like so people the, are still into oh, it big time. Yeah. It's like there, and there wouldn't be video games without it. Like I would, yeah. There's some truth to there. Playing right. games without it. Yeah. So can Crazy. you find the direct link between those two things? Or are you just saying in general? It just seems like that world. I mean, there are things like hit points and, and experience points, and just the idea of taking a person becoming that role. And there's just things that really generate yeah. directly from the yeah. game. And yeah. that, and those are from older games. Right. And, yeah. And the so, guys yeah, who created video games, I'm sure play dungeons right, and dragons right. i mean and they're just like yeah we, let's say, put this you, on you were talking about certain types of video games the, the ones that are more like journey based and stuff well, like that yeah i mean you assume a role like you yeah role playing ones yeah. yeah whatever but but really i mean yeah that's pretty much every video game initially yeah, yeah initially yeah not not madden but you know all the other stuff, right, right right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> what, so um not pong and how long that's true. Uh, how long is it how long have you guys doing that so it's been a little over a year. Okay. And we've just basically been running around interviewing, you know, Gygax family members who are still around and then any founding members or anybody that's really involved like instrumentally in sure. that game that's still around. So they're just sort of spread around the states and um but yeah, like most documentaries they'll just go on. For, and you like working with uh, which Pat is and a, which is a no, Oh yeah. Yeah, Pat is great. an expert. Like he's he still plays D&D every yeah. week. Yeah. D&D yeah. and zombies is what that guy knows. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> he's deep in the zombie thing. And you I know, love it. And the thing is, talk about patience. You got to have patience to make a documentary. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, mean, I thought you meant to play D&D. I'm like, yeah, dude, I oh, can't even play yeah. Monopoly without <laughs> flipping the board over, dude. I definitely couldn't sit through a D&D game. But I mean, documentaries can take years. Oh, dude. That to you get don't the even pieces know your of the puzzle. Story to get. Yeah. You're editing it. That's yeah. nuts. Or or you find it in the middle and you're like, "Oh, this is what it's about." Or you've been going one way the whole time and you're like, right, right. "This is all useless. We need to cut back and do this." It's like it's uh, my friend's uncle makes documentaries, man. That shit is not easy. That is really, I mean, stressful and yeah, tedious. Yeah. And unless it's about one, like the Beast Wishes thing, where it's like, okay, well, this is this is the story of this couple yes. and what they did. Like, and their interviews straight up. Documentary I've ever worked on. Yeah. It was like a couple months because they were just like, okay, interview, interview, interview. Yeah, like that's all we. B roll, B roll, B roll. Yeah. Interview, interview, interview. B roll, B roll, B roll. Totally. <laughs> Right, done. right, but so many. I mean, um, you know, it's a, and you don't, like you said, you don't know, you don't know how stylized this specific story is going to be because some, as you know, some documentaries are very stylized, and some of them are just very much like you capture life as it yeah, happens. Yeah, you get some talking heads, and you just stitch it together. Right, and right. then there's other ones where you actually want to have a vibe of what it is that you're, you know, basically reporting on, if you will. Right, totally. And documentary is the only film genre that everything can be like technically can be terrible. 
Like you're gonna have bad sound, you're gonna have bad picture. Yeah, like it's fine because you have. To <laughs> it's get the that subject. Story. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't so encourage so more bad filmmakers. <laughs> well, no, no. But I mean, it's I think not you mean fine. like if they have to cut it's together old fine. footage or something, right, it's okay. Right. Right. right if they have right, to do an right, old yeah. interview where the sound is shitty, it's okay. There's a great documentary called "I Like Killing Flies" about um, Shopsons in New York City. Like this guy's an amazing short order cook, and he basically can make anything, and he, he works in this really tiny kitchen. And the filmmaker's holding a lav mic out like this to, to get, mouth, to get wow. the sound. And you're like, all right, because it's an awesome story. Yeah, because yeah. that's what you care about is yeah, the story. Ultimately, the story pretty much is going gonna, is gonna to rule. And if you can't and if get you, a good story out of it, it doesn't matter how Or if it doesn't appeal to you as the viewer, you're done. Like, you know what I mean? If it's yeah, a story you just yeah. don't give a shit about. Like, I'd watch the D&D thing, one, because Pat and Melissa and you guys all worked on it. And two, because I'd be curious to see what the hell was going on. What and, you missed? Yeah, well, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What I missed, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then I'd probably end with me going, "Yeah, I'm fine." <laughs> I will say though that um, on the flip side of that, and it has nothing to do with yours, but I remember like going because I play fantasy football now. But so yeah. they did they did this whole history on the rotisserie leagues, which is kind of what started it all. And I could only watch so much of that one because like they spent too much time talking to those guys, and I was like, all right, these guys are already way too heady, and they're like way in deep. And because the average person that now plays what it has evolved into, it's. It's, I don't want to say it's passive, but it's just become a completely different participate t- participation type of, um, you know, yeah, right. um, sport, if you will. I don't even know if you would call it. Fantasy but football? I, I wouldn't call it a sport. When, well, no. you know what I'm saying. But when, like, I remember my wife was like, she was the one who was in fantasy football. I'm like, no, nah, I don't play Dungeons & Dragons. That's what I said to her when she asked me <laughs> fantasy football all the time. Yeah? You know, because you hear the word fantasy, and you're like, all right, no, I'm not going to go play My pretend. quarterback has 15 arms. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my running back's going to cast a spell on you. But then I did it, and I was like, not that there's any parallels to, da- to Dungeons & Dragons. I don't know. But then I, when I got into fantasy football, I'm like, I wonder if I missed, up, missed the boat on the whole fantasy Get like into it, dude. Still thing, time. You know? There's still yeah. time, man. It's no, happening. I got kids. Get your kids into it. Get your kids into it, dude. Elliot's a level five wizard. <laughs> One never knows. It was funny thing is we watched Stranger Things together, and they didn't ask what those kids were playing. So I know my kids really? are not interested. Uh, they didn't even be like, what are those guys doing? The thing that led to the big thing. They're yeah. like, don't care. Show us the underneath. Where, or the, the just one of the one of the monsters come yeah. out. Where's all the? All you watched Stranger Things with your kids, huh? Yeah. Were they were they cool with it? Mm-hmm. They liked it. All right. I watched one episode to climb. I have to go one. I have to stay one step ahead to kind of. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But there's there's nothing. Kids are far more desensitized to a lot of the. things Oh, I can only think. imagine. I mean, listen. When I let them play, um, you know, those car theft, uh, Grand Theft Auto games, you know, <laughs> I tell them like, just keep beating the hooker. It's totally yeah, okay. Run her over. Just you yeah. Get the money back. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. <sighs> Man, it's crazy. Uh, do we have to like apologize for anything we just said? It just I don't know this new world. Should we apologize? No, for we don't. No, we're, we're this is the unapologetic. Well, I, I want to yeah. apologize for my sarcasm. Mm, no, don't do that. Don't uh, do that. Um, what are your? Oh, would you continue to do documentaries? By the way, yeah. If even if you moved on and we're doing more of a a traditional um, directorial or storytelling, would you would you still find yourself going back to doing that? Absolutely. Okay. If, if, I know if it is a grind, that's why I story. ask. Yeah. yeah. But, the they're, but they're more of a grind. It's different, right? So I was just curious if you would still go back to those types yeah. of... Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a different type of production, for mm-hmm. sure. But just, again, the story, if it's, if it, a, if it, if it's an awesome If it attracts story. to you, then... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And, and in, in the future, what are you hoping to do more of? What are you... I, I would like to direct more and, um, and write. Yeah. Like I've finally forced myself to write a feature and, like, I did it and it was great felt good yeah but don't, but don't you feel like as soon as you're done with it aren't you like why is no one buying this like why doesn't anyone want it right away like 
I just wrote this. Why don't people want it? I get I I finished the movie and I was like, hey, buy this thing. And people were like, what? No. And I was like, what? Why not? I'm so confused. It's, it's good. It's good. It's, it's hilarious. Heavy. Like, yeah, yeah, I laughed when I read it. Well, then what's the problem? Yeah. Let's make this thing. Like, well, you, what you're saying though, in all your jokes, so it's it's the validation. It's I've completed the project. Right. Now, could somebody please just validate look at me, me and tell me that this is good yeah. and that we're going to yeah. make this? And otherwise, why did I spend like, all that fucking time writing it? Totally. totally. And it sucks because we all know. We all have Netflix accounts, and somewhere in our queues or something we've watched, and we watch it, and we are blown away by what we just saw. Yeah, and we realize that no one knows it exists. We just saw something amazing for sure, and it will never, yeah, get that top validation that a select few get. Oh yeah, exactly. Because you can sell a script, you know, you can option it, and then nothing. I happens. can't. They can, you know, like there's so many steps even after selling. Why have we, oh yeah, they, but they why can, have we not stop. quit? But they but what are we also, doing? Why are we still know. doing this? But but so. then there's also you could be halfway through a movie as an actor and they could go, poof. You know what, Eric Stoltz, you're out of <laughs> yeah. Back to the yeah, Future. Yeah. We're getting Michael J. Fox <laughs> goodbye. And like, but we've shot half the movie. Well, we're gonna reshoot it. Like, okay. I don't know what that even does to your mind as an actor. Uh, yeah, seriously. I cannot and even. And then to have that come out fathom as a trilogy and, and, to be and like that's the most beloved. But, but no, full on. That's why they replaced you. Is that they knew it was going to be a trilogy, and they were like, "Yes, suck. Yeah, we want you out of here." And it's it wasn't even that funny. he was a bad actor. I think it was. It, it just wasn't. He wasn't. Didn't sometimes have to lose the Yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the the shittiest thing to realize sometimes is it's not working, and you yeah. know that it's a human being is the product that you're about to eliminate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's no way that that can't have an effect on both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't Unless you're soulless. Then, well, then. which a lot of people, yeah, yeah. Which a lot of which people are. Yeah, that well, there are, there are some head choppers out there that don't care. You know, it's whatever it takes, yeah. right? It's whatever it takes for me to have a bigger house or three houses or right. whatever. Yeah. But those, they exist in all businesses and all parts of the world. It's not just the film business. That's how I've been you know? for like the last 15 years. Do whatever it takes for me to have a bigger house. <laughs> How's that working out for you? I still rent an apartment. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but no, it's just so funny that, you know, we can sit here and joke about how many speed bumps and walls there are in front of us. And we keep and we will, we driving keep towards them. So you have to Wait. define what your own satisfactions are, what right. your own successes what your success are, is. what your yeah. own goals and are. there's so many avenues now to to release things, to get things out there. And, you know, it's exactly that. But then you read about these huge studio films that bomb. Yeah. Too. And so in a weird way, it's like, yeah, because <laughs> it can happen to you. Yeah. I watched oh, a man. movie um, called Nine Lives. Oh, you did? With my kids. With Do you know what I'm talking Kevin about? Spacey? That's a classic one where you look at it and you go, how did this happen? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was uh, Barry Sonnenfeld was the yeah. director. Yeah, yeah. Jennifer Garner, um, Kevin Spacey's in the movie, and and um, and what's his name was the guy that uh, um, Christopher Walken's in it, and you look at it and you're like, there is nothing here. There's no heart. There's no you don't you're not buying into the characters. It literally everyone was delivering lines and collecting paychecks. You just felt like yeah. they were wow. they would deliver a line and someone was going, thank you. And what's the next line? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And thank you, <laughs> because you, you the whole thing it's done and you're like. It felt like a soulless project. It just felt they, like a machine that was felt put that out when there. They read and the script. They were like, to. "What is this? Yeah. Okay, whatever." Because I, f- and the reason why I bring that up, and I'm not worried about me criticizing this, is if somehow or another it's going to hurt me in this business because <laughs> Kevin you can't hurt someone who's mad at you. Yeah. Um, you can't. They can't hurt me because you don't hire me anyway. So my point <laughs> is that you look at that and and you. These are those moments where you you go, I handed in a script, and all I did was get notes upon notes upon notes about why. 
There, it's, 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 I've gotten 16 reasons why I can't make this, and I just watched all 16 of those just get made for a right, right $145 this, yeah. million yeah. Dollar budget. Yeah. Because it had a bunch of names attached to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Like, they will say no to you, and then they will make the exact same thing with 10 times worse right in front of your face. Oh, well, completely. It's that, yeah. And yet, that's what we're, we're trying to get into every day. <laughs> I, I feel. I feel like. I feel yeah, like we're trying to see, prove ourselves. I see no issue with that. <laughs> we're trying to prove ourselves to those people that are double talking. You know what I mean? I think more so. It's almost like we're trying to prove to ourselves. Like, dude, I did not make a mistake. I'm doing the right thing. I'm gonna make this happen. It's gonna work out. I'm gonna be fine. You know what I mean? And like you said. No matter what you're doing out here, there are so many paths and so many avenues and so many yeah, yeah, different totally. ways to get your shit on yep. TV, on the internet, in front of people that can see it. There's just, we have unlimited resources at this point. Like, we should all be taking advantage of it more than we probably are. But it's at the same time, I think for me, it's like, I don't give a shit about, you know, anybody who's getting in my way or being annoying or this is the people that'll help you out eventually. Those are the people you're going to remember. And then, the people that you worked with to do whatever it was you were doing and that and in the end i think all these stories of like the struggle and all everything you've had to go through like that's what's going to drive you to just enjoy yourself you know what i mean you got to enjoy sure. the journey though if, if, the, yeah. if the journey is yeah. miserable then it's kind of pointless right yes right. yeah some people figure it out and they leave and they get out and they go do something else and, and they're, they're happy. happy doing that and that's know? fine i ho- i wish i honestly do think that if people were a little more honest with themselves, more people would do that. Would do what? Get would out? Would go, I'm not happy. But people don't understand that, that being unhappy, like if you're not happy when you're at like the low points, you know what I mean? If you're not happy just doing like stand up for no money and you know what I mean? If you, that's really making you miserable, you need to figure out something else because there's no point in living miserably like that's not what it should be about you know and there i feel like a lot of people live miserably because they feel at a certain point that they this is what i have i have to do this to say i've worked with a lot of guys on set that i look at them and i i, I watch the way they work and they slam things down and they're oh, really yeah. and i yeah. and i feel like i'm watching a trapped human being like yeah. i felt like i've invested 20 years in this shit and I'm I'm an electrician, goddammit, and this is bullshit. Maybe they wanted to be a DP. Maybe they wanted to be an actor or whatever, or they're in the art department now, and all they do is lift heavy equipment, and their backs are destroyed, and they're just angry, and they're miserable, and you just look at it and go, are they trapped? Is there nothing else they can do? Because you want to believe that most people get into the film business because they're excited about it. Right. And they yeah. love it, and yeah, they I love the journey. That is most. That is why most people get into it. But, but then, yeah. 20 years later... Reality sets in sometimes too late. And I, under, I understand it to a certain extent. Right. You know, you get into one of those unions, whether you're, you know, if you're a grip, an electrician, or you're in the art department, and they, you know, you're t- you got your insurance and all these other things, but at the same time, your insurance is covering all the back pain. That you're getting from this job that you can't stand doing anymore, and it's mm-hmm. it's 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 sad that you see that because you're coming in it from a fresh standpoint, and you're all excited, and yeah. there's this one guy that's like, ah, blah, blah. you want another light over there? Fine, and they just storm away, and you're like, all right, this ought to be a fun day. This is going to be great. <laughs> but uh, but also like those guys, I feel those guys. And then Gary Busey comes in, you're like, all right, we just got back in this game. This <laughs> yeah. just, something really fucked up's about to happen. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I feel like I see those guys less and less, but they are they, no, they, they, they are the older guys who like they're just bitter. They're just bitter. But it just goes back to the enjoy the enjoy the journey. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and again, if something like 
I honestly believe this. Life is too short to be doing shit you don't like. And if you're doing something you don't like, fix that, man. And this is for anybody listening. It's like, if you've got a job you don't like, get a different job. I know that sounds easy, easier said than done and all that, but no one should be miserable, man. Things are too too short. Well, it seems, Matt, like you have the right temperament. Like you just said, you're kind of like, you're. A, though you're a slow starter, you understand that it's a marathon and you're willing to put the time in and you're yeah, willing to yeah, just kind exactly. of ride with it. And you're not a yeller, right? You don't yell. No. No. Do you want to practice? Really passive aggressive. <laughs> okay. Sarcastic. Yeah. You're like, you know, the performance was good, but if you could do it better and not sucky, that would be awesome. You bigger into, you, you, are, do, you do you lean more towards uh, comedy, dramedy, drama, action? What's, Please say what, what's, dramedy. What's really, well, because they say I that. I love that term, <laughs> yeah, though. It's, so I don't like it either, but, you, but it does really kind of sum up like you can have both, right? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. I love, yeah, I love comedy, but then like drama, it's weird. Like if I were to watch a movie, it would be either. But if you were to make like something, yeah, your first out of the box probably, that says, hello, I'm here, it's going to be. Probably a thriller. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just because I, I, I like, I like twisty plots. I like, you know, sort of little breadcrumbs, you know, okay. not spoon feeding the audience. I okay. Like, you know, being gross into a story. Okay. Definitely. And so that would be ideal, but. But yeah, I mean, we're gonna hold you to that. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's on. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, what, you what's it, your favorite just, movie? That's a really tough. That's like what? Yeah, that's my favorite child. Um, well, like, that's a different yeah. question. <laughs> if there's something you'd like to tell us, but, uh, yeah, uh, how many kids are you friends with? <laughs> 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 we just wrecked his career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or like, I'm sorry, like. Like I could name three or four movies that I would say. It's weird because I feel like there's the movies I could watch again and again, and then there. But you're. I'm like wow. But you don't want to call those movies you could watch again and again your favorite because if you say like Weekend at Bernie's two, people are gonna go. Oh, this guy's not an artist. Just saw Nine Lives. (laughs) You did see it, right? You have no. (laughs) But you. It's funny that you knew. Are you one of those guys that knows? Or do you know everything that came out, even if you don't see it? It's awful, and I know. I know the the directors and usually the writers, and it's just like all this information that I'm like, I could use this in some other capacity. It well, it helps in conversation. The brain space. It does help. I'm bad in conversation. People are like, you know, so and so did that one thing, and I'm like, I don't know. I think it's always good to know all that, especially like I can't remember. I go into commercials and the director's like, hi, and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? (laughs) It's a dude I worked with six months ago. I'm I'm like, good at just doing things. There we go. Not knowing things. Let's get you a bumper sticker. Doer. I'm I'm good at doing things. I'm a complete. I I I complete things. You, like, can, I'll you complete, complete me. That's why. That's why John has me on the podcast because this thing would never see the air if John was in charge of it. He would oh, never. God. It would never get to where it needs to go. No, dude, we'd be recording with no there. microphones what? if I was in charge of it. <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't know how to do this. This is not plugged. We in. just talked yeah, about. Yeah, this, this oh my is. God, could you imagine? This isn't broken. It's just not plugged in. Oh, could you uh, imagine? Of course, I have a good imagination. I don't, yeah, I, it's a crazy good question. Favorite movie, but um, I don't know. Like I saw Napoleon Dynamite probably like fifteen times. Nice. Know, after it came out, and I just that that was like, oh, that's where I grew up. Like I wore the moon boots. Like that was me. Yeah. So, you related you know, to I it? Just totally related. The llama and everything. Um, but yeah, I think I think mostly comedies, really. Yeah, yeah it's funny. Just, but don't you watch yeah, Napoleon yeah. Dynamite though? And it's a fresh perspective on the way they told that story. And you're kind of like you finish it and you go, "Cool, thank you for sharing that story in the way that you did it." Like, right? That's a big part of that too, yeah, right? Yeah. Like you get yeah, and you and you 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 the, the way they bring you in, you know, and and the way they told that story, I think was a huge part of it too. And it, and and every piece of it though. 
as you as you talk about like okay there's that script but you got to cast the right people right and they chose to shoot it a certain way they, and they edited it a certain way and they and they allowed certain things to breathe in a certain way like there was like those things had to tick in a certain way otherwise you wouldn't have probably seen it 15 times it, it could have been done a completely different way that story could have yeah. been told yeah. a completely different way and you never would have saw that movie but they also marketed that movie it was the first movie to really be marketed as like a, a, a popular independent movie. Do you, like, does yeah, that, like they, yeah. they, they, there was like some weird. That, yeah. yeah, it was. It was a must see. Everybody felt like right. I had to I, see. Yeah, that. you have to see Napoleon Dynamite, but it was really low budget and really, you know what I mean. They they did amazing work for what they had to work with for sure, totally. and it launched. You know the main guy. I mean, he was. I mean, I don't know and what he's doing now, but he like, lost a t-shirt. You know, vote for Pedro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that we have to see every election cycle. But I remember, like, I didn't. I didn't see ads for it. I didn't. I. I mean, I read a review in Rolling Stone, and it just said like something, something, something. He buys a time machine. That's all I remember. <laughs> You're like, I got to see this time movie. Machine. This is amazing. <laughs> this sounds well yeah. riffed, well crafted. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> I love H.G. Wells. <laughs> but, but yeah. So it was before. It was before the wave of vote for Pedro. T-shirts yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know all that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. What? Uh, where <laughs> like can people? I'm can, not afraid of silence. I was just curious to see where. Where can people find your work uh, online, or do you have a YouTube channel, or do you just not want people to look you up? Or yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's stuff on Vimeo. You can type my name in on Vimeo, and then um, Matt yeah. Renoir. Yeah. Do you go by Matt or Matthew? Uh, Matthew's my professional name. Yeah, so Matthew. And Matt's then, just a dude that Liberty hangs out with. Matthew's the businessman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we we got Matt today, right? You're just hanging out. A little. Yeah. There's a little. little there was a little Matthew like, yeah, came out there. Okay. Through. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Business. Instead of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, it's <laughs> yeah. Matt and Matthew. It's the same guy, really. Yeah. yeah. When he signs his name on different paperwork. Uh, well, dude, thank you for coming out and doing the show. Yeah, really appreciate it. Um, really good. Brian, do you have anything that you want to add? Where? I just know. I just think that this is may actually be the first show where everyone had facial hair. So I just think we've just we've this is it's we've, a unique episode. We've broken a barrier. Three white guys with facial hair having a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I so think it's never been so done before. Yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty amazing. That just that oh alone. oh. Can we talk just two seconds? I'm sorry. Do you watch Westworld? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you, good callback. Yeah. Do you watch it? What are you talking I, I, about? I've, I've seen the whole thing. You see, you've seen it all. You saw that we're all caught up. Everyone's that. caught up. All right. Yeah. If you're not caught up, I'm not going to spoil. I'm not going to spoil anything. But. Man, the fucking finale was awesome. And then then immediately, like, because what me and Nicole do is we'll watch a show like that and we can't, like, we're like, oh, now what do we do? Oh, we're going to watch. Oh, yeah, this is, we love that show. It was so good. Can't wait for season two. So I rented the movie Westworld. Oh, yeah. It's the great. 1973. Yeah, yeah. Michael Crichton directed. My, which I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, that totally. guy was like that old directing movies back then but on a book he'd written. And Yul Brenner is the gunslinger, the cowboy, yep. the robot cowboy. And. He plays a great robot. That was a fun movie. I like that movie. Yeah. Josh James Brolin, uh, the other guy was famous, but Yul Brenner, uh, Dick Van Patten is in it. Um, it was just I love the movie. I loved, and it gave me a glimpse, a little bit of a hint, as did the very uh, last episode that there there are other worlds. Oh yeah, besides yeah. Westworld. Well, they made there's a future world movie too. Yes, which yeah. that's not. That's a, not Michael Crichton, is it? Not, no, I don't think okay. so. Okay. I, I think, almost watched that, too, because that was free. 
I had to rent West <laughs> Westworld, the movie no one wanted to watch for like thirty years, yeah. and now there's a show, and now it's like, oh, it's three ninety nine. I'm yeah. like, thank you, Amazon. That's like oh, when, finally some of those people in the movie are getting paid back. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll Brenner's estate He's finally getting. Oh, it. look, some residuals from Westworld finally. <laughs> Anyway, just hang in there is what we're saying. That's the that's the, the, theme yeah, of the show. Yeah. Just gotta hang in there. Maybe someday dumbbells will start giving you residuals. <laughs> Thirty-seven years from yeah. now. Uh, but seriously, the show is great. I think Anthony Hopkins was is fantastic. The whole thing is is Tandy uh, Newton though. Oh, I just call her Thandy. Thandy. I'm always <laughs> like Thandy. English, yeah. I will. But the one she's killing it. The best. You yeah. know how hard it is to act and constantly be naked. It's just got to be so raw. And it's like, and, and some people don't care. But I just, uh, the whole time I was watching that show, I'm like, you know, that's got to be really, really, really hard. I always felt like they could have just, yeah, I, I always felt like they could have avoided it. Like, well, they, well, it could just be doctor robes and scrubs and yes and no. And I, I'd be curious to get as a as a yeah. as a as a um, visual person. I believe that there was there was two things you can tell from a, from a producer. Slow down. Slow down. How do you say producing standpoint? Okay, let's do it that way. I'll I'll dumb it down from the producing (laughs) standpoint. You could tell there were certain people that did not want to go naked. Yeah, yeah. Some of the stars were like you, like um, Jeffrey Wright. You could tell like he was like, yeah, you're not seeing my whole my whole situation, and you could tell that was a business decision. But then I think the reason why to go back to this is my what I got out of the show. The reason why I think. Some of those actors were willing to fully expose themselves is because I think it was necessary for the story yeah. to constantly expose themselves over and over again because they were being exploited. And I really do believe that that's why there was a lot more wide shots of some of the main actors where you thought to yourself, is this necessary? Is this too much? Mm-hmm. And I always believed that it was actually intentional. Would you, would you, believe, would you think that that was kind of part of it? I think so. Yeah, because you're right, because they were just these puppets and also a naked person doesn't seem that threatening either you know mm-hmm. I think there's that too because mm-hmm. by the time stuff starts changing it's like oh they can be yeah right. dangerous and yeah like I, d- I agree with you i think as for, and from an actor standpoint they probably also feel like the actors probably felt like it was necessary as well but they would have to buy into that and that, that's what i'm saying it's like that's going yeah. really deep i mean that's a big deal to make that decision i think to expose yeah, sure. yourself that way but i think i gotta say like if it was oz or westworld or an hbo show that like once you read it you were like uh, this might be real good to be in like I'm not big on showing my dick, but if none I none of us are, I think we get all all three of us in this room. <laughs> no, you want to see it, but yeah. that's not the point. But, but but I mean, for Westworld, for Oz, for The Wire, you know. Well, some of those shows aren't on anymore. But if you want to continue, if you want to show them your dick, I want to show my dick for The Wire, everybody. So come on out, to, <laughs> come on out to the Ox- Levity Live in Oxnard tonight. <laughs> You Anybody wonder, here yeah. produce The Wire? Wee, 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 wee. Put <laughs> you your dick away. That's like, uh, like a joke with HBO or something. Like they're trying to see which actors will fall for it. It's like every <laughs> one of their shows, like like um, uh, Deadwood. The first oh yeah, ep- first episode of Deadwood. There was it's a dick. Nick Offerman. Yeah, and he runs in and he's like holding his dick. Yeah, it's like oh. <laughs> like you fell for it. Yeah, so. yeah. We're gonna see how it. many penises this <laughs> yeah. this network can expose. I would just. Uh, well, yeah. It would be funny if you if you said that as a joke, and then this memo gets leaked years from now. Be like the intent, yeah, the penis intent. Like how many people penis memos? Yeah. <laughs> well, penis memos. <laughs> oh, anyway. So my point was, if you get a chance, watch the Westworld movie. If you like, and if show. you get another chance, please don't ever ask John to see his penis. Cause... Uh, 
well, let's not get Another too hasty. And if you get it, it there'll be other chances, everybody. Don't worry. Kind of, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. You may have missed your opportunity. Right. right. Oh, this isn't it for sure. Years later. <laughs> Dude, thanks a lot for sharing. Thank, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for coming out. Really appreciate thank it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, email us if you want and send us some fan art. You know the deal. Uh, have a great week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe 